I wish I knew how to quit you. Then why don't you? This is Codependent Content, a podcast where my partner and I discuss the TV shows, movies, and video games in which we've formed an unhealthy relationship. My name is Matthias, and my co-host is Shannon Riley. Join us each week as we try to make sense of the media we continually give our hearts against our better judgment, and commiserate with us as we struggle and fail to let go of the characters, stories, and worlds that we are entangled with. Because just when we think we're done with content, it draws us back in. Happy Monday, Shannon. Woo! Uh, It's been one whole week since we were last together. No. How do you feel? How do you feel? (laughs) Uh, We have been podcasting Yellow Jackets, Mm -hmm. and that was a fun thing. Today, we are doing Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse. Not to be confused with Spider-Man 1, Spider-Man 2, Spider-Man the third one. The third one. Uh, Spider-Man Homecoming. Uh, Spider- the Spi- Amazing Spider-Man. The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Yeah, there's there's a lot of Spider-Mans is what I'm trying to say, Shannon. There are quite a few spider Uh And as the theme will come up today, uh, there is a lot of Spider-Man, but only one Miles Morales. So today we are talking about Miles Morales across the Spider-Verse mm. and all that. Shannon, uh, before we get into our normal podcasting mm-hmm. thing, uh, this intro- introduction is all over the place. I have no idea what, what I'm doing. We're off we the need rails. to figure out what exactly our thing is for this introduction. I think the problem is I also recorded an introduction and made a whole intro for the right. podcast to make it easier for people to know, oh, this is what I'm listening to. So right. that's the current that's thing. The and then how do we transition from that because we've already done the intro is the whole thing anyway yeah. uh what well, uh, let's talk about do you have any any more thoughts uh uh feedback questions things about uh our, our last discussion the last time people heard from us when we were talking about yellow jackets in the season finale now that it's settled in after a week uh have you thought about it more or are you still i have not given it a single thought except for um, casual percolating excitement for the rumored episode 10. That's it. We did learn that there was going to be possibly a whole episode, Mm -hmm. Uh, but it also sounds like it could be a short film. Yeah, right. Is that what you said? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you were questioning me, so now I don't know. <laughs> so oh, I, I, I thought. Did you not read the that's article? That's what you I told you? me. Oh my goodness. Okay, <laughs> let me lay some knowledge down. Sure. So, um, I did read an article that there is an episode ten, and it's going to bridge the gap between seasons two and three. Yes. Not thematically, but just in terms of like having content cons- to consume while season three is being made. Correct. Um, so I am excited. I thought perhaps it could follow uh, Cabin Guy because uh, sure. we haven't seen Jason Ritter show up yet. So I'm I'm excited at maybe that possibility and exploring more of what the wilderness has so, to offer. So we should clarify. Jason Ritter is the husband of Melanie Linsky, mm-hmm. who plays adult Shauna. And Jason Ritter is rumored to have made a cameo in the show. Right. But he did not show up in season two. And so the rumor is that 
he will be in the bonus episode. And then the rumor is that he's playing cabin cabin guy. guy. <laughs> but none of those things are for sure that right. one, he's even in the show Two that he's even playing cabin guy or, or three that, you know, he, he, he's in this episode, you know? Right. So, uh, a lot of like, what ifs there. So even though we can, unless you know any, com- have any confirmation of things that I'm not aware of. Nope. Just reading real fast. It just says there's a bonus episode between seasons. When asked for more details, creator responded, uh, It'll be coming closer to season three. I'm not being coy, uh, but things are complicated. So complicated because of the writer's the strike, writer's strike. Yeah. <laughs> and, and other things which we have talked about. Um, still going on. I know that for some reason there's a lot of articles, a lot of questions about like what's going on with the writer's strike or whatever. Mm-hmm. Hey guys, this is still happening. In <laughs> fact, uh, I believe tonight is the last day for SAG to vote on whether or not they are authorized to strike again Mm -hmm. not striking Mm -hmm. but whether or not they are authorized to strike by the rest of the guild right um basically saying hey if negotiations don't work out we allow you to strike on our behalf Mm -hmm. we will go on strike with you um so yeah a whole lot of things going on we it has been it is still happening Maybe articles will come out and talk about like dwindling numbers or things like that, but it doesn't, it's still happening. Uh, people are still striking. It's still full swing while we are not immediately seeing uh, the effects of that. Mm-hmm. We are going to see that soon. Right. And in the future, including with Yellow Jackets, things like that, which we've talked about at length, but just something to mention that mm-hmm. that's also one of the reasons why. That episode is is apparently being pushed or maybe not coming out or waiting until season three. I guess probably because they're clearly having to push season three. Right. And therefore pushing they don't, episode 10. They don't want to bring that episode episode until it comes closer yeah. to whenever they're gonna release. I agree. And they might also rewrite season three. I mean, assumingly they're pushing, they have to they can't do things on the intended schedule. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so therefore, when you try and bring people back and you re-enter mm. negotiations and contracts and stuff like that, a whole lot of things change, whereas sometimes the scripts have to change to accommodate a lot of things, which means episode 10 might not be like a no, it might not connect the way that they wanted it to right. anymore, yeah. you know? So there's, that's why it's so complicated. So hopefully that outlined a little bit of, mm-hmm. of a little bit of the behind the scenes of what could be going on. This is all me speculating, but that's typically when she, when she says it's complicated, that's probably some of the elements yeah. among many, many more <laughs> that, that are probably sense. happening uh, with a lot of things. So yeah. Uh, in the meantime, uh, Shannon successfully got me to start Lost. Yeah. Um, and I hate it just as much as I hate Yellow Jackets. No. Uh, <laughs> no, because this man sits down on the couch at night and turns Lost on and pays attention through the whole episode, even though you're kind of shitting on it, which I think really speaks to, like, it did have a powerful way of generating new storytelling that even though we've seen all the... uh like brain children of lost all the things that it's inspired ways that we've changed media since then you can still really see the foundation being laid and i think it's still an enjoyable ride even though it's much more cut and paste now that we are aware of the formula yeah i i'm being facetious oh I, good okay i think i still 
uh, do not like. I mean, there's a reason why I stopped watching Lost, mm-hmm. and that is still prevalent, right? And mm-hmm. it, granted, the things about Lost uh, that I don't like are less about the mystery boxness than uh, Yellow Jackets. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I just hate the mystery boxness of that show. Right. right? Uh, the, a couple of things lost, as you mentioned, is the first of this kind of ilk. It really changed a network, uh, the, the landscape of network television, as well as introducing this idea of a mystery box show, which was the mystery box was actually coined by JJ Abrams in his like Ted talk. So it wasn't actually, at the time, known as a mystery box show. Whoa. This is just something that he like started uh, developing and, and talking about in terms of like what, how he goes into making things, okay. which Lost was one of the first ones and was clearly born out of his philosophy, mm-hmm. right? So it, in, not only is it changing the network landscape in the how it's telling television, but it's also introducing the idea of what a mystery box show is. Mm-hmm. Before the show, we didn't have, I mean, when this show came out, social media was not a thing. Right. Uh, uh, and after it's when the show came out that we started getting people theorizing stuff because we didn't have shows. We didn't theorize about things. We didn't gather around the water cooler every week talking about like what could be happening or like all the different, you know, and there mm-hmm. was no, uh, uh, books adaptations that this was coming from. It was all original, right? Right. So we have to give it its accolades for being the first of doing those things, and I can see that how true that is. Mm-hmm. And it and when you're the first of something, usually you're the one that did it the best because otherwise, why would people be copying it? Sure. You know. Sure. And Law still does do it very very well. Mm-hmm. I think that the mystery box in this sense in the way the lost does it presents these mysteries as the MacGuffin. And if you know what the MacGuffin is, another term that is not real, but was coined and is now wildly adopted um, among film MacGuffins are basically plot devices that don't exist. They don't Mm -hmm. do anything for the story right in writers of the lost ark the ark is a macguffin because it really doesn't it just propels the plot forward it's the thing that everyone wants Mm -hmm. but it doesn't have any bearing on the story of the characters or things like that right Right. um same thing with like the maltese falcon and blah 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 blah. uh we all know what the macguffin is and in this case i think jj abrams being a big fan of spielberg and lucas who introduced the quote unquote MacGuffin or or helped to, I guess, popularize the MacGuffin. JJ Abrams in the as well brought in the mystery box, created a MacGuffin as a mystery, but didn't focus on the mystery so much. And Damon Lindelof and and the ilk also started uh focusing on the characters as much as they could mm-hmm. and giving us their stories. And then the the mystery box as a MacGuffin was just always there, mm-hmm. always kind of like present in the peripheral, you know, and mm-hmm. it did it very, very well. So I'm, I'm liking it uh, in that sense. And I think that they are doing it much better than Yellow Jackets is. Mm-hmm. 
it's still network television. Right. <laughs> and it's still yeah, formulaic. No, of course. And I can still, I don't know if it's because I've seen so many shows like this before or since then. Mm-hmm. At the time, maybe it was all new. But since then, I've seen so many shows like this. And now right. I'm like, I know where this is going. Right. This is very predictable. Right. Um, and I also remember, I mean, there's also the fact that like, it's so in the zeitgeist that mm-hmm. I know what happens. I know the ending of yeah. the series. So part of me is like, oh, did I actually see that coming or was it just because I remembered it? Well informed, yeah. (laughs) You know, so um, there's a whole lot of things going on. Mm -hmm. So to talk about like why they're doing it well and what it is. Uh, But I'm glad to talk about it. Um, Should we bring up the article, though, that about the book? Yeah. (laughs) So Vanity Fair released an article that is basically, I don't know if it's an excerpt from a book, but it's like a little, there's more detail to be had, Mm -hmm. but apparently there's this book coming out, I actually didn't look into the book, but basically it goes into the behind the scenes of the making of Lost. Mm-hmm. I, am I wrong in that? Is yeah, that- <laughs> it's, it's called Burn It All Down, I'm yeah. pretty sure. And I don't know if it focuses solely on Lost. Maybe there's other things, but whatever is coming out of this article that's kind of promoting this book is almost a... What's the word I'm looking for? Not indignation, maybe not damnation, but like, you know, uh, indictment on uh, Lost mm-hmm. and the writer's room specifically and how things were done. And yes, that's very clear. When we look at Lost back then in 2002, 2004, 2004. Uh, in 2004 terms from a 2023 lens, yes, it's clear there's two black characters I'm mm-hmm. sorry, three black characters that were just introduced in season two because <laughs> we got a new one, right? Uh, all the main storylines involve white people. There's two Asians. Like, it wanted to be a diverse cast, but then it doesn't diversify a story, you mm-hmm. know? Writer's room are very different, right? Kate, you have problems with like, okay, mm-hmm. Kate really does nothing, mm-hmm. right? We joke so much every time a woman is running and then she falls in every piece of medium that we yeah. watch. Uh, about like, oh, women just can't stay on their feet. It's a, we're joking, but like, that's how they're written for some reason a lot. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Shannon wants to be a stunt woman. I'm like, Shannon, all you're going to do is just be running and and tripping. (laughs) Uh, And it's, it's weird tropes like that, that Mm -hmm. were prevalent already in network television at that time, much less younger 2000s. It's weird how much we've grown in 20 years to see how these things are. Mm -hmm. But this article goes way in depth about like what it actually was, the grueling process. I think the book goes into it even more about Mm -hmm. the grueling process of just making the show, but it really highlights the um, writer's room and the struggles that they were having and the kind of almost sometimes toxic, which all writer's room are. It doesn't claim that this is a unique thing, but very toxic, very, um, hard to work in kind of like environment uh, that while the show was very, very popular, it wasn't always the best thing behind the scenes. Right. Um, much less a Harold uh, Perrineau who plays Michael, um, who spoilers for <laughs> almost 20 year old show uh, or actually a 20 year old show uh, dies in season two. Uh, claims that he was fired for possibly raising uh, things that he perceived as, you know, not inherently, but 
subconsciously racist, mm-hmm. you know, and granted the writers do comment on the article. It's worth looking at mm-hmm. the, the, there's writers, some of them are anonymous and then the showrunners themselves, they comment, uh, and they do what they can. Damon Lindelof for his, uh, um, part does say like, I don't remember this. If I was like, this is not how a writer's room should be done. Things mm-hmm. like that. Like he's, you know, you could say it's political. You could say it's uh, a PR kind of thing, you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, to try and like save his image. Um, but, you know, I do think that there is uh, merit in the fact that like sometimes we don't know as management what's actually how people are viewing mm-hmm. things that we're doing or how we, how we're being perceived, you know? I think it's different too. Um, this is in no way excusing behavior, but when you look at the like environment and the landscape of the early two thousands, mm-hmm. we were in a different place where we thought having like a token woman, a token black person made us like at the front edge of what was happening. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it's important that when we look back again, not excusing anything, well, but when we thing- look back onto the past, we need to remember that things are of the time. And the fact that the creator was able to come forth in present day and say, you know, like that's not my memory of how it happened, but he goes on to say, like, I don't see why anyone would make that up. I don't see why anyone would falsely say that about me. Mm-hmm. So the fact that he acknowledges that no, as a as a white man in the one of the highest positions of power in this environment, of course he didn't see these things that way. But of course, other people of different genders, races, and pay grades would have different experiences than him. I think speaks to hopefully his growth as a showrunner mm-hmm. and things that he's on now don't experience hopefully the same amount of toxicity that happened back when we were unfortunately more compliant with like inherent racism and sexism because we weren't constantly calling it to the table to be examined. To be clear, I think lost, even at that time, we talk about tokenism and representation and there that at that time specifically, I think lost was trying to, and at that time the showrunners probably thought they were Mm -hmm. like trying to break those boundaries. You know, they were having like, main characters uh, that hopefully didn't fit certain stereotypes Mm -hmm. and it fails in a lot of ways, uh, you know, but it succeeds in other ways. And at that time there was not many shows that were doing that, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's like, where do we, you know, we, how do we uh, uh, judge a show later on Mm -hmm. when, you know, it was a step forward. Did it, you know, dive fully in like it could have. Mm-hmm. No, but there's, we're still struggling with that. Right. You know, right. like is a step forward, like good enough for what they were doing. Yeah. Right. Um, I like, I don't know. Right. We recently watched an episode where a character says to another one, uh, Oh, are you gay? You know, and it's Sawyer. And, oh, answering. Yeah. he's like, he's like, no, you know, like, or whatever. I can't remember how he said it. It wasn't, exactly like homophobic but it's like well what was the point of like what yeah. was the whole t- you know what i'm we saying there's like, like little- <laughs> bringing it up no absolutely <laughs> like so there's like there are missteps mm-hmm. at the same time that these 
the characters that we're seeing are they're some of the stronger ones, you mm-hmm. know, that we're seeing that we haven't been seen in in television. Some yeah. of our favorite characters are diverse, you know. Right. Um, and so I, for me, it's like the only place I feel really confident speaking from is as a female identifying person. And I think I was just complaining about this to you. Mm-hmm. I just recently watched Ghosted on Apple TV. Which I knew Anna Darmus and Chris Evans. Which I knew I was not going to like because I'm now also tired of seeing the pendulum swing in the complete opposite direction where we have like goofy, like helpless boyfriend with hashtag strong hot independent woman that's kicking ass and taking names because I think that's where Kate for me starts to feel weird because we try to give her agency a little Mm -hmm. bit we try to get her involved she's around when jack and john are trying to blow up the hatch but what is she doing she's the messenger she's running back and forth you Mm -hmm. know what i mean so it's like okay i can see the little steps that you're making as you try to create a more inclusive space for different genders and races yeah and now we've also swung to the different direction where it's like i'm also tired of seeing that women are so much more complex and diverse than either like the helpless hottie or the badass hottie or the ugly to hottie and uh, everything everywhere all at once does a great job at depicting female characters. And I actually think that um, Across the Spider-Verse does a great job with Gwen. Yeah. And I'm interested to talk about her too. But that's just my my last little piece on Lost is that my first time watching it, I had never seen a show that did something like Lost. Mm-hmm. I watched it late, but still it was my first experience with a show like that. Yeah. And I remember as the uh, series progressed being like, I don't know why I don't like Kate very much because I'm usually super into like female characters. And as my palette is expanding as someone that consumes media, I'm realizing that it's because again, Lost tries its best for what it's capable of in its time period, but ultimately falls short in uh, meeting out all the other characters that aren't just like the main couple of white dudes. Yeah. Uh, I think it's definitely worth like having those conversations, especially as we go into like talking about the spider verse, but mm-hmm. um, cause it's going to come up again. A- and yeah, I, it's, it's so interesting to think about like, were these good steps? Were they not, you know, and how much leeway do we give to these things? Loss is still a very big, Show there are people like you that probably got so much out of loss, and I know mm-hmm. there's a lot of people that maybe hated the ending, mm-hmm. but it's being revisited, and people maybe love it. And I, there's some things where it's like, can you fault it? Can you not? Like, where are they playing a game where they they have to concede to producers or ratings or whatever? And then how much of it were them like actually taking risks? You know, and uh, can you like? do you hate something after the fact just because it doesn't hit all the things that we know now? Right. You know, um, uh, that said there is no room, I think for, uh, a toxic or misogynistic or, uh, bully style environment yeah. within a writer's room, uh, or any, anywhere, any department or anything. Right. we see that a lot of times in the film industry mm-hmm. and the things that, um, I think we're interesting about the article or just the, those uh, 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 that are worth pointing out is mm-hmm. that if that was the environment, that's bad. You know, mm-hmm. if people did not feel comfortable speaking up, if people 
uh, did not feel comfortable bringing to attention certain things. And if they were uh, almost ostracized or if they were uh, discriminated uh, for any reason, mm-hmm. you know, um, then that's no fun. You know, right. <laughs> it's no fun for us. I mean, like, clearly I, it feels obvious to say and almost dismissive, of it, but I'm just saying like that is just not right. Right. We should be having inclusive, collaborative environments where people feel comfortable saying their piece and not for fear of getting fired. Fired, yeah. <laughs> you know, Seriously. or or getting taken off the cast, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel really bad for Harold if that is the case. If yeah. that's like what happened, you know, especially when the article goes to pains to really uh talk about um like the very beginning, like how much of a get that he was because mm-hmm. of what he was doing at that time and how good of an actor he was. Daniel Day Kim saying specifically he did the best work on Lost that he had seen him do, you know, at mm-hmm. that time. And if what happened happened, that sucks. Yeah. That is that is a big black mark on Lost for mm-hmm. me. Um, you know, I could have handled, you know, maybe six seasons of of bad writing. <laughs> Or whatever, or, or or I guess formulaic or tokenism writing, but not, you know, but now that I know that it's possible that he was like, he's going to die or get killed off because of maybe something he brought up in terms of possible racism and stereotyping, mm-hmm. that doesn't sit well. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, unfortunate. I'll still watch it because it is part of the zeitgeist. I do, it's... You know, I'm I not know. like, am I, if my giving my money, you know, or my time or my value or whatever to these people, I don't know. You know, it's yeah. like, it's, it's at this time, it's like what I, I hope that my residuals, you know, eyeballs, whatever, go to the actors now, you know? Yeah. And, um, Cause like, I think there are some, some merits, like at the end of the day, like, there is, there's always people in front of and behind the camera doing good things, even if that was true. And I don't want to like, discount the entire series just because of one bad experience you know Mm -hmm. even though the experience is is very important you know it's going to mark how i view how i view it and things like that so anyway yeah all that go check out the article if you watch lost yeah love lost or curious about it definitely worth checking out i'm curious about seeing that book after i maybe finish the Mm -hmm. series depending on if the book's all about loss or not yeah but also, I have a lot of books I need to read. You do have, we, yeah. Who so, doesn't? Mm-hmm. Are you a book reader if you don't go to Barnes and Nobles and buy six books and read none of them every time you go to Barnes and Noble? That's the whole. That's the. We gotta have that experience, right? Yeah. We we can all relate. Yep. Um. Yeah. So yeah. Uh. I think that's everything we've watched. That's everything we've been talking about. There's our little culture talk. Do you our wanna, culture corner for the day? Our culture corner. Uh. Do you have any? Final thoughts on we just finished Succession. It was a good show. The, the, we talked about a lot, the finales and stuff last week. I'm sorry, week, so. uh, Ted Lasso was this week, right? Yes, Ted Lasso. There finished. it is. Okay, so um, I this is hard to talk about because there's a weird backlash against Ted Lasso why? season three. I don't know. Oh. I don't know why. I just see a lot of people not liking it, but I haven't gotten any in-depth reasons as to what 
their problems are. Yeah. And there's like a, a apparently like a lack of focus, like a changing of like where things are going. And mm-hmm. it feels really disjointed. I still got emotional almost every episode and I can maybe see a little bit of what they're talking about. It does feel different at times. Mm-hmm. I do think season two was worse though in, in comparison. <laughs> yeah, like there's fair. like, so I enjoyed this, mm-hmm. right? There are things like the whole Zava storyline, which feels like what was the point in it? And I think there was like rewrites or reshoots and it's possible that they shifted halfway through. And so mm-hmm. that's why he kind of went away. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, yeah. But the back half isn't bad by any means. Right. Um, I think it's clear to me uh, at least. And again, this is speculation and I don't really know. But I think it's clear to me that Jason Sudeikis just might be, you know, finished uh, personally. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, not that he wasn't enjoying it or couldn't have done it even more. Mm-hmm. Um, but we know that it, it's a he I don't think he ever expected this to be what it was. And then also when he was dealing with so many like personal things behind the scenes, mm-hmm. going through divorce and stuff like that. So it, it seems all amicable. But right. <laughs> it's clearly like if if the titular character, you know, doesn't want to be part of it, like, what do you do? How do you change? Like what? And it right. seems like a bit a, kind of a send off yeah. in that sense. Right. I agree. Um, uh, but I don't think that it made the season bad per se. So I really loved the show and I still quite enjoyed it all mm-hmm. throughout. Uh and like I would, this is one of those shows where, as much as I hate talks of spinoff, I would be super excited mm-hmm. to see what kind of spinoff ideas. You know, if mm-hmm. the same showrunners and creators kind of came back. I know the main showrunner runner went, or one of the main writers went to go do Shrinking, which mm-hmm. we're all loving. Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't mean there's not a lot of people still behind the scenes that can't do a really good job right. with some spinoffs, right? You know, so I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. What are your thoughts? I I really enjoyed season three. I don't know why people are hating on it. Um, I understand that it did feel dramatically different from season one, but I think season one was such a like moment. Another moment that I was late to the party. You're the one that got me on the Ted Lasso bandwagon to begin Mm -hmm. with. But the fact that such a like a wholesome, warm, kind show hit right when everything was just super fucked. I think it's not just the show. It's also the feeling that the show gave people while we were in like the, the thick of 2020. Yeah. So of course, moving away from 2020 and as characters and seasons and time develops, the show is not going to make you feel the exact same way that it did when you were in lockdown and you were just meeting these like wholesome, goofy characters for the first time. So I think there might be a little bit of that into play too, but I enjoyed it. I actually forgot that Zava was part of it in the beginning little section because there's far more important things. We get to see this like incredible personal internal growth of Jamie and also of um, Brett Goldstein. What's his name? Roy. Um, We get to see Keely explore her sexuality and also ultimately not be reduced to the pretty girl that one like that picks one of the guys Um, We also get to see her like try and fail at something that she really cares. I don't, 
and Rebecca too. We get to we get to explore her internal world of how she loves and what's important to her and how she gets over like the spite and the anger that she holds toward her douchey ex-husband. Like there's so much more interesting things to Ted Lasso that I don't think I don't think merits people being like, oh, the season wasn't very good. It's like, well, to, were we watching the same show? Yeah, to play, uh, I don't want to say devil's advocate, but like <laughs> in, in, in thinking about it, I can see again where people are seeing the disjointedness because we talked like, because Nate, uh, when we started the season, like you think that that is going to be the main like climax of him and t- Lasso, uh, you know, having their rivalry and stuff like that. And they Mm -hmm. kind of abandoned that halfway through the season. Like Nate gets fired, comes around and like all is forgiven. Great storyline, but it's changed. Right. Uh, The psychic with uh, uh, Rebecca Mm -hmm. and then like saying like, it's the green matchbook and the nice and like, where is this? And it's like, did that ultimately actually lead her to the guy from Amsterdam or whatever? It's like, not really, you know, like, Um, we should have said spoilers up top because we're now we're spoiling everything, but <laughs> there are a lot of clear things. that just like a dividing line between half the season. I agree. Um, so it is clear that like whatever the talks were, whatever the rumors were about like a change or a, like there were the Zava thing, like everything is like, there's some things that were abandoned and some other ways that they had to try and tie it together. Yes. That is clear. I think if you take it as two have like if yeah, almost like, like a, a part season one, three, part two. <laughs> I don't think that that I don't think it works as a full season. I can understand yeah. that criticism. I think maybe I just I think they I think they towed the line very well. I think they walked the the slack line in terms of like balancing that um, and transitioning into the second half of the season mm-hmm. into a way that I don't notice until I think about it. Yeah. You know, there are still little things where I'm like, what was it? Like the, I think the restaurant stuff was great, but then it it feels like almost abandoned, you know, like we do get a little bit less of the players Mm storylines, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So some things good, some things it's, it's, it is weird when you think about it, but it's like, if, 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 someone wanted to leave like what do you what else do you do you right, know right. so like yeah I, I, think, I don't know I think they did the best that they could with whatever information that they had and again yeah. now that you pointed out I'm like oh yeah we really did take a hard pivot like halfway through the season yeah. but for me not in a way that uh diminished my viewing at all sure. I was along for the ride every episode even when we did kind of just be like oh, okay we gotta like wrap all these people up right now in yeah. a cohesive and warm way. And I think they did. I really like where everyone's ending up. I'm going to miss spending time with these characters every week, but I hope that they all go off to do cool projects elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would love to see any of them again. We talked about uh, any of them in a Star Wars or something. Like, oh, I yeah, 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 right. <laughs> um, I want to see who who's Jamie Tart. I want to see that actor do something. Oh, for sure. Uh, um and I, I don't want to, I don't want this to sound weird. Uh, I say just not British mostly in, in the fact that like, I don't want people to get stuck just being that British actor that sometimes makes a cameo and like mm-hmm. an American thing is like, yeah, no, come over. If you want to be a part of Hollywood, I, we right. would, I would love 
to <laughs> put you in something. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. You know? Um, so that's what I mean by like, don't get, don't do any British things. Like <laughs> we've seen you be British, uh, which is not to say it's like, you can be British all you want. I yeah. just like, I want, I don't want With you to With your cu- cute Cockney accent, but yeah, go do something else so I can be like, oh, character development. Yeah. Well, he always, uh, they, you know, Britain actors, they'll do something, we learn about it and then they'll get stuck. I, I don't want to say stuck. Uh, London, everything, they're known for like the theater and scene and some really good shows. I guess because we're in America, we don't always get the good, the shows in the BBC right, right. that, and we're not always like aware of all the actors. I, there's still like so many like Idris Elba things that I need to catch up on that mm-hmm. I haven't seen that he's done in the BBC world that right. I don't, I just don't have access to. Mm-hmm. Some of it I do, but like, uh, I just haven't watched. You know? Yeah. Uh, and it's so rare. So I like want them to like make the jump, you know? Yeah. Uh, because there's some good eggs. Some of them already have, obviously. And, uh, but I'd love to see more of them yeah. in other places. So, yeah, I, I mean, we're going to get uh, a Brett Goldstein, hopefully. I don't know if this is still <laughs> happening, but he makes, a, he's Hercules in Thor Love and Thunder. He makes that little oh, after yeah. credits thing. Yeah. So assuming that, we're going to get more Thor or at least something in that realm. Maybe. If Chris Hemsworth does come back or not. I'm not saying he's he's not, but I guess we just don't know right. yet <laughs> what's happening there. But we're going to see at least see him as Hercules. So I'm really excited about that. <laughs> so I forgot about that completely. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we've talked at length about uh, other things, mm-hmm. um, which is fine. This is, this is our podcast this is what we talk about. This is what we do. Uh, but Today, Shannon, we're talking about Into the Spider-Verse. If you are first time, I'm sorry. Yes, sorry. The first one is Into the Spider-Verse. We're going to spoil both, right? So here's a spoiler spoiler warning. Uh, uh, As opposed to Yellow Jackets, normally we kind of spoil everything from the top. I do think that we'll have a section where we just give our general thoughts, try and talk about things without spoiling anything, not giving away plot points. And then there will be a section that is specifically for just everything you know spoilers be war beware that kind of thing mm-hmm. um because this is a movie that is still coming out mm-hmm. you know uh, if you're here and you just love to hear us talk and you want to be first here we enjoy coming here if you're like why should i go see this movie then yeah we're going to give you your general thoughts about what you think and then hopefully you can go watch it and come back and enjoy the spoiler discussion okay. so that's just to uh let you know about that and I, <laughs> I um, made that awkward sentence structure to segue into, I guess, now we're ready to talk about Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Shannon, what are your general thoughts about Across the Spider-Verse? Ah! Um, I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. I loved every moment of it. Uh, it was almost two and a half hours and I could have sat and watched two and a half more hours consecutively. Um, there's something I really love and apparently everyone loves, so I'm not saying I'm unique, but the, the way they visually attach Mm -hmm. to you, the way that different like paint colors would make me feel something even more deeply than if I would have just been listening to like the voice acting, I think is phenomenal. And I think if I watched that movie five times, I would 
I would have five completely different viewing experiences because there's so much to look at. You can, you can take it all in as one like big thought, but you can also focus on like the little action words that are popping up in the background or the the little lines that show like anxiety or stress. There's just so much to see. Uh, so visually it's just, it's perfect for my little ADHD brain, but I will also say that I think um, into the spider verse was strong storytelling. I got to meet Miles for the first time, but I really like the second one. Well, I feel Shannon, like it. I, not to interrupt. I'm sorry. Technically, Into the Spider Verse was your first experience with Spider Man. Yes. You with Spider with Spider Man. Spider Man in general. Yes. Any Spider Man. Any Spider Man. Yeah. You hadn't even seen any of the Tom Holland Spider Mans, or did you see Civil War? I didn't see Civil War either. So you'd seen no Spider Man things before into the Spider-Verse. Correct. It, just interesting to me, mm-hmm. worth mentioning about why that was so important yeah, to you. So, yeah. yeah, so this was this was huge for me. I didn't even know that the different types of spider people existed. So to see this presented to me in this way was like a wonderful just breath of fresh air, honestly, and in tandem with the visual storytelling and the the art media, I was just in love with it. And I think this one... It doesn't, for me, falter. It doesn't suffer from the, like, sophomore slump, or that's television, but, like, the second one I never feel as no, strong as the first too, one. Okay. Of, well, it's technically music is where sophomore slump oh, comes okay. from, but you can use that in. Yeah, in, in so in. The, the sophomore slump of, you know, you, you hit gold the first time, you tried to recreate it, and you fell short, and I think that's because there is so much authentic story to tell, and and with themes that you can visit that, anyone can watch and find themselves in this movie and some of the themes that are explored in it. So yeah, I, I was in love. I thought it was delightful. Mm -hmm. So that's my general spoil free opinions. What about you? Yeah. So I guess to, to hit off of that, obviously I'm, uh, I've seen all the Mm Spider-Men's, Um, I remember also watching the animated Spider-Man. I'm not a comic book reader, so there's mm-hmm. a lot of things that still go over my head. I'm not like an avid, like, here's all the Easter eggs and the, the Spider-Verse thing, yeah. which is just full of whatever. But like, just it's also worth mentioning, you haven't seen like a Phil Lord and Chris Miller uh, kind of animated film. I Did you see Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs? No. And you never saw the Lego movie. No. And and so they're, these are the uh, uh, producers who are, and they did 21 Jump Street and mm-hmm. so many. So there's a whole lot of uh, things and the way that they make films as well. That's like coming into this. Like mm-hmm. It's definitely less a Spider-Man film and more of a Phil Lord and Chris Miller kind okay. of thing, you know. Um, uh, but done really well. It meshes really, really well. And into the Spider-Verse, for lack of sounding like a broken record, is understandably like a game changer in the animation realm, in, in storytelling realm. It just is overall just a, a fantastic movie and a really good Spider-Man movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, that said, it, it's, it doesn't necessarily exist without the rest of the Spider-Man. It doesn't exist without... Um, uh, like comics and the animated series and the movies that came before it. I think Sony knows that. I think the creators know that. Mm-hmm. And I think it is very prevalent of like, uh, of what 
this it shows like what time we're in you know um and spider-verse did it it does it better than you know uh what was the most recent Tom Holland one? Not <laughs> Uncharted. Um, far from home, <laughs> far from home, or whatever. Yeah. Uh, not even that because Homecom- he was, no. no Homecoming is the first one. God. Far from home. Was, uh, no, but, uh, you know. Honestly, this is um, I have a point to make. Keep going. But, there's but-, a, but you know, like when we see the cameo of Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire show up in in with Tom Holland, like, and that doesn't exist without twenty years or more of like Spider Man movies, you know, mm-hmm. and like the same thing here. Like we don't get a a whole lot of into the Spider-Verse or even the things that happen across the Spider-Verse. Um, and I won't spoil it. We'll get into plot points later, but there's like major things that like, you don't understand that until you, unless you have like a, like an understanding of like who Spider-Man is, you mm-hmm. know, and like have like been ingratiated in the culture. This is a movie that is of its time, but in not a bad way, like it can only exist now. Right. Which is really interesting. So the fact that it is so game changing, the fact that it is so groundbreaking in the way that it does thing, and we're seeing new animation come about uh, uh, and the way that people are doing things because of this um, movie and into the Spider-Verse before it, mm-hmm. you know, and this is just taking everything and going to the next level. It's saying like, you love this one. How about this? You know? Yeah. And it's like, and it, it literally is like, we thought the first one was game changing. Mm-hmm. No, this across the spider verse is like 10 times. There. It took like another big leap. Yeah. And as someone who um, works for corridor digital and like is helping work on their like anime stuff and seeing like the groundbreakingness of like the, kind of like the AI and, and and how we're doing, like trying to change animation, you know, and, and taking cues from the Spider-Verse movies, you know, and how they're doing things. Like we, you know, I, I thought we were sort of getting a little bit of a head, right. It was like, mm-hmm. no, this is so much more. I mean, granted they have like bigger budgets yeah. <laughs> than we, we do, but it's like, oh, we're not even close to catching up. This is, light years ahead of everything that's happening in this space Mm -hmm. uh, in filmmaking or whatever. And like, it can only happen now, which is just such a weird thing to think about, you know? Um, And so, and I, I almost hate it because it's Sony and I, and I hated the, I hated so much that Sony owned the Spider-Man rights and Marvel couldn't do anything with Spider-Man for such a long time. They couldn't do anything with, uh, um, uh, yeah, I, there was other things too, but like other characters. Right. And that like they kept Tom Holland. There's still this kind of like trepid relationship where we, they have to like share mm-hmm. the universes, you know, and sometimes they interact and sometimes they don't mm-hmm. and I hate it. Right. But then at the, cause I want Marvel to have the stuff that they own, you I know, do not, <laughs> uh, but then something like this comes out and I'm like, this is amazing i can't believe sony is doing this sony to me usually fails in this realm and i think it's just a a you know a support of phil lord and chris miller everything they do it's all the team. people the the art team everyone that's putting so much passion behind this mm-hmm. the actors 100% like 110% they're putting in you know yeah. they believe in it like it, there's so much and then miles morales as a character is just 
the perfect character for now. We, I mean, Miles Morales didn't exist until like the early 2000s from what I recall. Again, not a history comic book aficionado, but mm-hmm. like he's a fairly new character in the long Spider-Man canon. Miles Morales is the perfect like avatar for this story and just telling these stories and just entering this and like and the the themes that it wants to tackle Mm -hmm. and this multiverse thing right now I think this is beyond except for everything over there all at once uh uh the this is the best multiverse saga yeah. that we're seeing Absolutely. Uh, I, you know i do love loki but like it's <laughs> be, yeah. beyond that like marvel's not uh, not doing it so well and this is such a good multiverse saga it's so much fun it's so inventive i i don't think i have to say much about the animation or, or about like the groundbreakingness of that it's just it is what it is mm-hmm. like they're doing amazing things here the themes are like so on point i love that we talked about it that kids are going to be able to watch this and see again, the representation Mm -hmm. that we were talking about earlier, you know, like in different types of characters, not just Miles Morales, not just Gwen Stacy, but in new characters that we get to meet, Mm -hmm. you know, I love that. um, We're tackling like things that uh, people uh, is like Miles Morales. Let me back up real quick. Peter Parker, for the longest time, was such a good character. We'll talk about this more because anyone could see themselves behind the mask. Anyone could see themselves being Spider-Man because he was just a kid. He was just a regular person solving like his neighborhood. He was the neighborhood Spider-Man. He wasn't world saving Spider-Man. He was your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. He was solving normal crimes. He was also trying to do high school. He was also trying to have a relationship. That was the groundbreakingness of Peter Parker. And the fact that we are able to still translate that story that young people, old people, anyone can see themselves in Miles Morales or any of these characters and just the basic stuff. It's not about how does he solve or save the world. It's not about how does he solve the, the the crime or whatever, right? It's about how does he do this while figuring out who he is? How does he balance like his family struggles, you know, like, and, and being in a mixed household, you know, how does he learn to uh, grow up and, and uh, stay young, balance adult responsibilities with what he feels like he is, right? How does he, there's so many cool things about here where it's like, this is just, it's not a, a, a superhero thing that we can't relate to. Like Spider-Man is relatable to like everyone. Mm-hmm. And I love that. And that's always been what Spider-Man is. And I love that Miles Morales is just, a, he is a quintessential Spider-Man to me, you know? Um, and it's he the, everyone can see him and relate to him and that he does feel different from Peter Parker and he's getting but he's still dealing with these themes. I just love that. Mm-hmm. I love all of those things. Um, 
Yeah. Any other any other thoughts that I talked a lot about? Oh yeah. yeah. I have a I have a ton of thoughts. I thought we were just doing a quick little uh Yeah, yeah. Well recap non here. again, non spoiler that not yeah, no, we're gonna we can talk as much, just don't spoil anything, just in terms of like general stuff. If you can't talk without spoiling things, if that's not something right. that you want to do, then, then no, no, of course not. Um, yeah, I'm. I I think you just summed it up. Uh, I agree with everything you just said. And I will. Here's okay. Well, then let me ask the the question just before. So now that we've kind of given like general thoughts, I know mine was so broad, you know, and we're trying not to be specific about plot points, things like that. Is there anything? Um. Uh, character wise that you want to talk about like in general specifics just specific character things and then also like what like do you, who do you think this movie is for who do you think will enjoy it like what should people well, you know, I think you just summed all of that up this movie's yeah. for everyone sure period uh, whether you're familiar with Spider-Man or not this is a very easy gateway into the universe because whatever you don't know, they explain to you very in, intelligently. In terms, yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I don't have anything about characters to bring in without diving more into their backstories. Sure. So I'll leave that for, I will say I love, uh, when they finally bring in Jake Johnson's Peter Parker, you know, and his daughter's there, Mayday well, it's Parker. Not a, it's not a spoiler? It's not a spoiler. It's in the trailers. I'm going to, oh, you know, okay. so it's like he's there. Okay. Uh, um, And that's, again, just like a fun addition. Like there, I've, I, I'm, I miss the dynamic of those Peter Parkers, you know, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. Gwen gets a little bit more in this in this one than she did in the last one. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's so good, you know? And, and she practically bookends this film. Um, and I don't think that's a spoiler. I think that's just, uh, you know, if you, <laughs> if you thought you were going to see a Miles Morales story, just be prepared that like Gwen Stacy plays a big part in this. And I, and I loved uh, her character. In fact, I almost feel like this is her film almost when I think about it like Miles Morales is is a big part of it It is still a Miles Morales story but the fact that she bookends it and she plays a bigger part there's certain things and certain plot points that happen that I feel like I think it's so great that like not only did the first movie introduce us to, to Miles Morales ingratiate us to him really solidify him as a Spider-Man and mm-hmm. which I think this movie does even better. But then like Gwen Stacy, like was kind of like a side character in that. And now they're saying like, also Gwen is real, tangible, actual person and is a, 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 a true spider woman, mm-hmm. you know? Um, that is to say, cause there's been a lot of, I want to talk about it more, but a lot of like backlash to different types of Spider-Man and Spider-Women that we've had in the past. You know, Mm -hmm. people still view Gwen Stacy as just Peter Parker's first girlfriend that dies, Mm -hmm. you know, and I love that she gets more agency and she gets a a great and powerful uh, uh, 
storyline that doesn't create her as like a side character, mm-hmm. you know, doesn't create her as just like somewhat just, it's not just Miles Morales is like love interest or anything. Mm-hmm. You know, I do feel like I, I can view most of this movie like through her lens almost more than I can for Miles Morales, which is, well, I think they're on a parallel journey. Sure. Essentially. Yeah. So I think that's why it's so easy to cross over. It's just, instead of, Spider-Gwen being a secondary character, because in the first movie, again, you said we're really establishing our connection with Miles. Mm-hmm. She even opens, I forget exactly how it's phrased, but she's like, and this, mm-hmm. because while Miles is dealing with this, she is also dealing with this, not in the same capacity, but it's the same like theme. Thematically, they are going through the exact same experiences mm-hmm. together. And I think that's why this movie is so cohesive, because you can take two journeys, but they are essentially the same, like, uh, the same feeling and the same mindset, which I think is interesting. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, I, one thing I will say just to not be all praise about the film is that it no. is, as you said, like a two and a half hour ish movie. Uh, and it does feel long, in places, you know, and there is going to be a reason for that. I was like, man, they're really taking their time in some of these scenes. You know, they feel a little bit slower. You know, some of these are great moments where the, the show, the the movie gets to breathe. And some of these I'm like, man, I, I don't we have how much longer do we have in this movie? We got to we got to keep going. Um, well, in Matias's defense, too, he didn't realize it was a two parter. I was trying not to say that. Well, that's like, that's public knowledge. That's news that's been in. So when we were in the theater and it said, you know, it's, it's a, it's a two-parter. Matias literally hands went up in the air, jaw opened. And I was like, you didn't know that? Okay, because so it's minor, announced. Minor spoiler, guys. Not that at this all. Is like if you've read the news, it's been announced months ago. I didn't mean to, to throw that. I don't, I, I think that it's very, um, if I didn't know about it, mm-hmm. I think that it's it can be assumed that there's a lot of people that don't know that they're going into like a first movie. I'm just surprised. Going Matias to, is usually the one that like knows things and that's before I'm I saying, do. And that's why so I'm how saying, did I know? And that's why I'm saying like I think it is probably like going to be. I think that is a major thing that like. I, I, I'm not going to be the only one. If I didn't know about it, I'm, I guarantee you there's a lot of people. I know, know other it. people probably didn't uh, realize it, you know, but it's y'all. great that it's great that there was something that you know that I didn't know, but it is one That's of those crazy. things. Like, so we, I guess, sorry for spoiling, but it is half a story. It is going to end abruptly on you. This movie is par- technically a part one. I didn't expect that, but even going into it, like you, when I didn't, I didn't know that. So there were parts where like, it feels a little slower. Like, Mm -hmm. don't we have like story we have to get through? The first one is so fast paced and Mm -hmm. it was so well paced, you know? And we're just going, going, going. Like there's so much to see, so much to do. This movie still kind of has that, but it takes its time. Knowing that it's a part one does feel better, but it doesn't help the experience of being like, man, this is a long movie. And then Mm. if technically it doesn't end, so technically there's another movie to come. It is really a, maybe a five hour long movie yeah. with like a break in between. That's a long movie. It's going to be, it's hey, going to feel I, long. I, I you did know? say <laughs> so, I could sit through apparently um, like five. Well, that's an interesting point because I wanted to touch on, I'm going to disagree with you just a little bit. 
I think um, so. Throwback. We saw Fast Ten. Uh, Fast Ten was half a movie for me. Yes, it I also do stopped. not like that. It was like okay, I know what I'm here for, and I buy into it because it's like the Fast and Furious franchise. But ultimately, like not a powerful or like technically well crafted movie. I think this movie across the Spider Verse feels like like the second Star Wars installment. Like it has a full arc. These characters have a full story. That story does technically have a bookend, but it's a cliffhanger into like what comes next for them. So I do often have an issue with what I feel are table setting episodes and table setting movies where it's like, you can't expect people to sit in a movie theater for two and a half hours while you table set for the next movie that you want them to come and see. But I think this movie does a great job at, yeah, it's it's really setting you up for like what the cultivation is going to be in the final uh, episode of the trilogy, but also still gives you the full feeling of you got a beginning, middle and end with these characters. Um, so I think they handled that really well, because that's another thing I think like second movies offer often struggle from is that it's just the bridge between like trying to get to the next point. Um, and I think I think this movie did a great job at not doing that. Although I will say, I do think I briefly fell asleep uh, right during a right during a middle part because I closed my eyes and I opened them again and I was in a different place and I was like, oh no. And I didn't miss a lot, but there was a there was at least 90 seconds of just blackout. <laughs> I woke up, I was like, damn it. This movie moves very fast, but I don't know how to feel about that statement. Uh, I'm going to say that again. (laughs) I'm not, I think it's, I think it is um, worth mentioning that, that what you said is, can be true, but it's also um, very true that people are not going to like the part one and the vision because I didn't, I don't like it. And I think that I, I kind of disagree there are also some people that just like you are likening it to Empire Strikes Back. I think it does feel differently than Empire Strikes Back. Does that, I, I do, I think it's as egregious as some other movies that try and do a part one thing. No, I do. I do think it is good. I don't think in the future, this is one of those movies where I can't watch this movie without the third one. Right. You know, right. Star Wars. I can watch Empire Strikes Back and never see Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. You know, um, that to me is when you do it kind of well. It was it's not sure. technically billed as a part one and a part two. It doesn't need to be kind of together. You know, yeah. I think that's true in trilogies in general or or sequels or whatever that mm-hmm. that, that have problems. Like always do the first movie and it feels like a standalone thing, and then every sequel after that always ends up being even if it's not a part one, even if there's not a huge kind of like cliffhanger has to they feel like you can't watch them without watching the the next one or whatever i think this is the same way i disagree i don't necessarily like it you know Mm -hmm. but you know that's the difference of opinion but everyone's gonna have their feelings about it and i do think there's people on both sides that are liking it not liking it kind of enjoy it you know Mm -hmm. whatever right so um like definitely uh worth mentioning yeah so I yeah. think too, Matias, just quickly, I know you're doing a great job of trying to segue, but so I didn't realize when we saw Fast and Furious how much of a part one it was going to be. And it really left a poor taste in my mouth. I didn't mouth. know that either. 
at the end. Yeah. Because I was like, cool. I just after this whole movie for it to end right here. So I think that going into Across the Spider-Verse with the knowledge that I was getting the next one in March um, helped me because I was like, okay, I can appreciate it for what it's going to be because I do know that there's ultimately more coming. Whereas with Fast and Furious, I'm probably what you experienced then. And this movie was like, wow, I was pacing because we all have internal like movie pacing. You can tell when you hit like the first little climax and then the problem and then the real climax. And you're like, oh, where are we going with this? Because I feel like we're getting to that time where things like where threads should be coming together and they're we're not there yet. And I totally, totally understand that. But I do think knowing that this is a part one helped me like put that expectation over what I was seeing. So I was able to not feel that, Oh, this is dragging. Oh, this feels weird. And I was able to just like, if a moment was a little slow, it's like, cool. I'll take the time to like stare at the dots that were impeccably placed in the background. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah. Knowing now that it's a part one, it is the slow moments to me are still a little slow. Oh yeah, pacing structure is like a little weird in this movie, but like you do kind of want to appreciate the fact that like we're we're taking time. You know, movies are so fast paced now. Movies like feel like they have to keep on chugging along to keep your attention, keep Mm -hmm. your retention, and and uh, um, I know it feels like I said the same thing: attention, retention, two different things. Yep, and. Uh, I think that, you know, especially the Marvels, like so fast paced, we always chug along and then we're like, we could have taken our time yeah. with things, you know, and sometimes it pays off. Sometimes it doesn't. Mm-hmm. I think I do enjoy more knowing that it's a part one that we took our time with certain mm-hmm. things, you know, because we're setting up things that I don't want to just be like a throwaway, like, okay, there's the theme and then right. <laughs> how do we go solve it, you know? Right. So I'm glad that they took their time to, to let us have those moments with certain characters and in, in certain scenes yeah. that we might not otherwise have gotten had we been like, oh, we got to wrap up the story in like yeah. 45 minutes. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I'm also really glad, uh, I would say same bus station, but a different bus is that I'm... I'm so tired of Marvel movies generally. Um, I go see them because I feel like I should and I am kind of curious, but ultimately like the love and the passion is is not really there anymore. So to walk into a Spider-Man movie being like amped, like I, I pre-ordered these tickets. I have been looking forward to seeing this movie for a few months now. Uh, I mean, since it's been released, but really excited about it since I got the tickets. I think that Sony owning or like having some of the rights or sharing the rights with Marvel to Spider-Man or whatever you were saying actually works in this specific story's favor because how fucking annoying would it have been if it's like Miles Morales will return in Doctor Strange 5 or like if we had to tie in like Marvel is so exhausting with the new like Marvel formula of we set it up we pitch the next movie this is how it all ties together and it's beautiful because they did it and they like figured out a way to make it work but ultimately it's also exhausting so it's nice that Miles Morales and this like Earth 42 616 whichever ones we're all in Uh, I have written down that they are kind of free to operate and just exist in their own story with the characters that they want to bring in. And they're not beholden to the next Iron Man or the next what like Mrs. Marvel or anything that's coming out. And I really felt the freedom to play in that space and to breathe outside of the like Marvel Universe cinematic umbrella. Sure. 
Um, well, great. I think that we've done as much as we can talking about like the non-spoiler section. <laughs> oh, this is so bad. <laughs> uh, uh, w- without spoiling anything. Uh, this is your spoiler warning. I don't yet have like a section. So, you know, if you have not seen the movie, um, I said I don't have, I don't, I just don't have a transition thing. But if you haven't seen the movie and you are excited to go watch it, definitely we think is worth paying your money using mm-hmm. your AMC A list, uh, giving Nicole Kidman your her dues, I guess, <laughs> as it were, um, to go see this film. Uh, as many times as you want watch the first one first go see this one it's it's a great this is a good sit this is one, probably one of the better experiences as a theater you're gonna have yeah with a group of people um uh if you don't feel safe about that uh that's fine you know but it, if you can try and find some time with a mask or or wear a helmet whatever it is whatever because you gotta like, do. it is is definitely worth watching uh on a big screen this is something uh, they, i would love to see in an actual imax theater i don't i mean yeah like pro- a real probably one. i don't i think that would be too much it's <laughs> already like filling as I'm much like, as, screen as it can. <laughs> uh, they do a really good job of directing your eye and i don't there's some people that come out of being like oh there was way too much going on on screen i didn't feel that way yeah i mean i felt like there was just enough that i needed and then a lot of like little things if i wanted to yeah. you know um but I don't think it has a problem with that, as as maybe many people say. But worth seeing on a big screen with a good sound system. Also, the music, the soundtrack is really good. Anyway, go watch it. Come back here to talk about your spoilers afterwards, or listen to us. And that's your spoiler warning. Spoiler cat, do you want to? Nope. I was going to use the spoiler cat. Hey, spoiler dog. Spoilers. <laughs> she can't even see what she's just. <laughs> spoilers, spoilers. Oh, okay <laughs> great well shannon hey. um uh the first thing i was i was gonna say was like this is a part one but that's now been spoiled so now i don't know what the so why don't you say what's the thing that's that's gnawing at your throat to come out this is a part one <laughs> that's not what it is um, no it's it's not uh so we open this movie with gwen stacy which what you said gwen stacy bookends Who? I'm just kidding. Oh my god! It's like, did I mess that up? <laughs> Cut this out. Sorry. Nope. It's staying in because I'm the editor. Oh, great. We uh, yeah, we open with Gwen Stacy, and I did not realize how big of a Gwen Stacy fan I was going to be until this movie. I literally walked out of the theater and I was like, I'm going to cut my fucking hair like that. So next podcast, be ready to see me with like half a shaved head and just pink tips because, uh, Gwen is an icon. Not to. If I don't know what anyone else heard, but she said pink tips of her hair. The tip, yeah, my hair. The tip of her hair is what she said. <laughs> I'm not going to say anything <laughs> well, more than that. Well, no, I want to say it. No, it's okay. <laughs> um, so I have just some fun little facts, but this is, I'm just going to jump into this question because I just saw it on Twitter. Have you, this is not like a loaded question either. I'm curious. Have you, Matias, heard or seen anything that Gwen Stacy in this universe might be trans? No. Okay. I don't know why, but why that, why that would be. Uh, Well, I was, I was on Twitter and it's something that I noticed while we were watching the movie specifically. um, We'll talk about her color, the coloring of her universe. I'm sure in a second. Um, 
lots of blues and pinks and the the trans flag is like blue, white and pink or pink, white and blue. I'm sorry, I don't know the order, but she has a like protect trans kids flag in her room above the door. Hmm. She's got a trans pride pin that she wears and her cop father has a trans pride pin that he wears above his badge. And I didn't see any of those other smaller things. I just noticed the flag because it's so prominent in the shot we get of her face in the doorway. Um, but a couple people on Twitter were just saying that, you know, often you're not a loud champion of trans rights unless someone that you know or care about experiences that for themselves. Uh, and I just think that opens an interesting conversation. It reminds me of Luke Hamill saying, like, if you think Luke's gay, then Luke's gay. Like Mark, it, Mark Hamill. Did I say Luke Hamill? Yeah. LOL. Um, yeah, saying that if, if Luke is gay, then he's gay. If that's what you see, then it's the truth because yeah. it's up to us to uh, decide what medium means to us. And also just kind of makes a, my point even stronger of whoever you are, you can find yourself in the story of like Miles Morales and Gwen Stacy. You can find yourself in what they're going through because it is like such a beautiful thing. I feel like Spider-Man, when I watch it, seems like a a coming out story in whatever capacity it's looking for that like acceptance of true self whatever it is whether it's i'm spider-man whether it's like just wanting to be seen by your parents or wanting to be seen by your significant other like we've all experienced that so the fact that i'm just like a, a straight cis person and i got to enjoy this movie but there are there are trans kids and transitioning people and curious people who are out there maybe seeing their story in this i think is an absolute delight yeah. And I just wondered if you noticed any of those little things because I noticed none of them. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's something that I should notice or would notice. Like I don't, I don't set out usually to just Mark Hamill is a very good example of this for me because as a person that is half Asian, mm-hmm. I didn't grow up thinking I was different. I never once thought about the fact that I look, I don't look white or whatever. And, and maybe I'm, passing and that's why maybe Mm -hmm. it's because I grew up around my white white side of my family and that's why I grew up in South Texas I never thought about it was never it never crossed my mind that I was different I was a different ethnicity that Mm -hmm. I might look different none of those things I don't think I was bullied because of how I looked or anything like that and granted I, I don't look that ethnic maybe some people think I do maybe people just think I look Spanish whatever I don't know. Growing mm-hmm. in South Texas, I, people thought I looked Spanish. Um, oh. But I never once thought like, oh, I can't be Luke. You know, yeah. I never once, I watched Star Wars. I was like, I love Luke. I want to be Luke. Mm-hmm. I am Luke. You know, like mm-hmm. there was never a time where I was like, oh, I'm not allowed to be. Oh, I can never be, you know, because he's white and I'm not. And it was never like, oh, I need to see myself. Or so I think that's valid when people are like, I seeing myself on screen is important. Mm -hmm. I think that's true. Uh, We talked about Asian representation. Same thing. Seeing Asian stories and a person that looks like me, so important for a kid. I think that's great. I don't think I ever had a problem with it as a kid, but again, maybe I never thought about the fact that I was different. So that these kinds of things are not what I go to the film thing. I've Mm -hmm. always 
seen that. I've always put myself into, because I'm like, I'm the main character. Of course I'm seeing myself yeah, in the main characters. Right. And it was never like, oh, well, he looks different. It was like, no, I'm, of course I want to be Miles Morales, you right. know? Or if there's a cooler character on screen, I was like, no, he's cool. Yeah, right. <laughs> like right. I'm definitely <laughs> like him. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> Spider-Punk is a great example. It's like the the game changer of the of the Spider-Man yeah. universe. Uh, uh, everyone's coming out loving uh, Hobie. 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 <laughs> um, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I was so punked. This would have been, Hobie would have been all me if I was in high school. Like, that would have yeah. been like, I am, I'm, I'm taking that persona. Yeah. I'm taking that I'm image. This. Like, I'm going to be everything that Hobie is because that was who I, I thought I was like this punk kid right. in high school. So, like, and I don't think I would have ever faulted at like, oh, but he's, he's got dreads and he's black. I can never be him you know that's the weird thing about like superheroes is like yeah i can't no i can't technically dress up as him right, i guess right it's a weird thing but like if, if someone else was to dress up as 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 peter parker that's why we even have miles morale you know what i'm mm-hmm, saying like mm-hmm. of a different ethnicity wants to dress up as peter parker great maybe maybe there's things i'm allowed to do or not allowed to do but again mm-hmm. i never look at that character and be like no i want to be that guy so is she, does it matter to me? Is she not? I don't like, right. you know, great. She's still to me, Gwen Stacy. Gwen She's still Stacey. who she is. She's still like that character that we talked about. Like she's got agency. She's got like heart. She's got like the emotional core. Every Like when Miles Morales is going through his things at the end, when he's fighting, he's running from everyone and, and, and uh, uh, fighting Miguel on the train mm-hmm. and, I feel like when Miguel is like saying those things that are so hurtful, you know, and it's never impacted me more than when Miguel says it. Mm -hmm. Then when Oscar Isaac as Miguel is saying those things to Miles Morales, Mm -hmm. it's not only Miles Morales hearing it, it's Gwen Stacy hearing it and her reactions Mm -hmm. that like gutted me. Mm -hmm. You know, there's something about like seeing it through her eyes that made me feel more for miles and then, and then feel for what she's going through. And then again, she anchors the movie. Like the whole thing is like, she has to, um, uh, she starts, we get the first 10 minutes of like a very emotional story about like Mm -hmm. learning about like her world and where she's coming from and what she's having to deal with. And the fact that she basically is still Spider-Man, she is still Spider-Man in her own world, Mm -hmm. you know? And we forget that like, we think like, Oh, like it's Gwen, it's a different kind of thing. She was so confident in the first movie. It's like, no, she's, she hasn't even hit her quote unquote canon moments yet. You know, well, she hit one, which is Peter Parker dying. Right. But I, in there's still canon moments coming, and mm-hmm. she's still living this life that's alone and and things like that. And then she ha- at the end of the movie coming back and like saying like, "Will you join us?" I'm like, "Yes!" Like you yeah. know, like it's Gwen Stacy that does that, and mm-hmm. it's the the character and everything they've built into her. And I was like, I could care less. I it's I don't know if that feels insensitive insensitive to say i could care less like who like what else she is or represents because it's just her right you know so i don't know if it's i don't know if maybe those are supposed to even show that she is maybe she is um but also maybe it is just great that the artist can put these things in there that the artists are allowed to put in the background trans rights, you know, or right. and things like that, you know, that they can, the, your character can wear a pin to show support for something. Mm-hmm. And it's like clear, 
like this is a superhero. This is a, a, a strong character. This isn't just like a side character. It's like, I'm an activist, you know, kind of like, right. you know, like this is what I'm all about. Right. You it's know? not a bit. It's yeah. like, it's just part of the reality that yeah, people yeah. do have these beliefs and like relationships and yeah. you're allowed to show them, you know, and it's not in a world where this has to happen, like only in her world or whatever, you know, like this right. is, this is just, it's great that the artists were free and comfortable. We talked about writer's rooms earlier that they were allowed to even do this. So mm-hmm. maybe it was because of her character. Um, it's definitely um, purposeful. Yeah. Intentional. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, I don't know that it means that she has to be trans. Right. She is great. We're like, whatever. Like, you know, She's still hot. I love her. Like what all those gonna is not gonna change how I view her because right. she's such a great character. Right. No, Sorry. she's no, she's so phenomenal. Yeah. I just uh again, right before we started our podcast, I was on Twitter and I saw that and I was like, oh, I'll have to see if you noticed any of this. Um, well, while we're while we're chatting about uh Gwen, I want to just briefly talk about how beautiful her universe styling is. Mm-hmm. Um when I was watching it, I thought of watercolor and like a, a mood ring, mm-hmm. uh, which I'm sure yeah. is not, again, unique to me. But it's how the way that color impacts you, we know, is a thing that movies have been utilizing forever. But it just feels so special here where you get to see like the walls drip blue when she's like sad and isolated and the way her father like becomes blurry and like sinks into shadows as he emotionally distances himself from his daughter. There are so many beautiful, wild, amazing things that happen just in the way that the colors transmute during her storytelling that I could, I could just watch. You wouldn't even need words. You know exactly what's happening based on the animation of her eyes and the way the colors are bleeding across the page. Some of the most beautiful moments in this movie like happen in Gwen Stacy's world. Yes. And then when we talk about the difference between a slow moment and a moment that we get time to breathe, mm-hmm. this is of the latter where it's just, we get a lot of moments with Gwen and her father in their apartment mm-hmm. where the movie is just not moving and it's allowing the characters to breathe. It's allowing the scene to breathe. It's allowing the scenery mm-hmm. in that sense to breathe. Yeah. And it's hard to express in a podcast form, like how beautiful that is if you haven't seen it. Right. But like, this is a moment where they have clearly taken a leap in, in taking what they learned from the first movie and then taking it to another level. Yeah. So there's the, whereas we've seen Gwen and the different styles, all the characters were in the first movie, different styled characters brought into Miles Morales's world. Mm-hmm. Now we're seeing these characters in their different worlds and we're seeing them animated in their different versions as mm-hmm. well as the world themselves taking on. To, now when those characters, we're seeing more extreme versions of different mm-hmm. characters, you know, and th- that is so much more prevalent in the Gwen Stacy kind of universe. Yeah. Um, the spider Gwen universe, I should say, because uh, there's multiple Gwen Stacy's, yeah. I guess, but the spider Gwen version of the universe is, uh, is very much, like reintroducing us to the spider verse in general. Mm-hmm. And then like, and then being like, Oh, again, you thought you <laughs> like the first one was yeah, groundbreaking. You thought you knew it was now coming. there's this. Absolutely. Um, so there sure. are, I'm thinking, so we have, I'm going to call it like the miles universe. So we have that 
version of art. Yeah. We've got Gwen's version. We have um, Moonbatten is a distinct mm, yeah. version. Mm-hmm. Then we have Nuevo York. Sure. Uh, with what? Uh, we get so Oscar. much more. Like, I don't know. I think, what I think there are, there are like six distinct yeah. styles for don't this movie. Don't forget the Lego one. Oh, I'm not going to forget the Lego one. <laughs> fun fact. Do you know this fun fact? Here we go. Lego. We yeah. get to visit the Lego universe briefly in this yeah. movie. Um, a, a 14-year-old boy named Preston mm-hmm. did that. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know that. So I'm going to keep telling you guys. So his name is Preston. He's at LegoMe underscore the OG. He's a 14-year-old that was discovered on YouTube for recreating the trailers mm-hmm. with Legos, which yeah. I think is so spectacular. And they brought him on like... A couple months ago, actually. Yeah. So like pretty close to the release. And they had him do the the Lego scene. Yeah. So shout out to Preston. Good for you. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. But yeah. So be, yeah. And so you were saying that there's multiple multi universes. And I just want you to finish your thought. Oh, yeah. Too. I'm saying that the there are, are six distinct styles um, that we live in, I would say, sure. in yeah. this movie. And... Yeah, we get we get a lot more. We get to see different characters, blah, blah, blah. But as in terms of the universes that we visit, there are six of them. And that, to me, also boggled my mind. Because like you were saying, with the first one, I think it was such a spectacular leap from what I was used to seeing. But everything was in the lens of Miles Morales. And now that we're exploring different characters and their universes, it's like you're, you're just seeing all of this incredible visual input. Mm-hmm. The colors are different. The way we play with, like, technology is different. Apparently in Moonbatten, gravity is reversed. And I didn't even pay attention to that. But if you look at like if you look at the scenes, all the gravity is like the wrong way, which I think is really interesting. So it's like you're playing. How do with, you, I don't I don't think that I recall that being true. I, re- I read a Nerdist article that said that gravity was reversed. I'm going to have to watch Moonbatten. that because like the the I mean, there's a whole building that falls in Mubatten and it's falling with gravity like normal. So I don't. Doesn't seem to be reversed to me. Get in the comments. I don't know why they said that. I don't know if maybe in the comics that world is gravity is reversed nope, or something. No, that's new. Moonbatten doesn't exist except for in this movie. Uh, as far as I know. I don't think that's true. Um, because this character exists. I thought he was created for this. No, this character this is, is not a, a This is, is not an existing character. Well, please tell me the comic because I'm not sure. Okay, Shannon. hold on. Hold on hold what on. is this character's name too? Can you pronounce it? Uh, pe- uh pe- I was calling him Pav. Pav Tree, pa- Parker. It's Peter Parker, but like in <laughs> in Indian India. <laughs> um, and we're talking about this is my favorite character out of all of them because okay. as- <laughs> So Spider Man India is a comic book series originally published in two thousand four. I didn't know that. I know you didn't. So is that, like, is that that character on the cover? Is he the same one? Is that I mean, different? He's, he's just dressed like Spider Man. Okay, well then it's not the same. Yes, it is. Let me see. Oh my god, show it to me. Okay, hold on. Comics are weird, guys. I don't think it, like I don't know. She has to be right on something, and then so I guess comics are weird. Well, Here, let's just take a look confirm. at it. This is just Spider Man, uh, written by artist. Plot summary. Uh, uh, let's look at the character name. It is. It is Pavatir Prabhakar, and I'm probably butchering that. So it's the same character. Yeah. Uh, it moves from Mumbai with the aunt, aunt Maya, and Uncle. Bro. Okay, so it is the same character. I uh, the representation of this Spider Man 
is very, very different. Yes. In the comic, this, it looks like he's um, just in a Spider-Man uniform. But in this movie, we get to see the cultural representation of like what Moonbatten and Spider-Man India might bring to the table. Well, I love that. I I didn't know that he exists. Now I'm wondering what other Spider-Mans existed that I didn't know because I thought they were introducing a whole bunch more that did not exist, but maybe that's not true. So our our main our main five that we spend time with, the Spider-Punk, Spider-Bite, Spider-India, yeah. Spider-2099, they're all real. Well, 2099 I knew existed. I didn't know and any Spider of them existed. Spider-Gwen and Miles Morales, I thought, are, are new... Mumbai Spider-Man our new uh, Spider-Punk was different like I I I'm not as well versed in Spider-Man apparently as 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 I thought I was but it's great to know that these these existed I was super excited that they were introduced for yes this. absolutely so and for those Spider-Punk who, so here's what I'll say for those of you who might be like oh your movie's all woke now and like you're now we have to have this leave. one and this version of one I was like no they've been around for yeah. Just as long, if not longer, than Miles Morales. So, and just of yeah. note, since we've got another little Spider Punk wasn't introduced until 2015. Uh, yeah. And he made an appearance in like The Amazing Spider-Man. I maybe am not going to go out on a limb and say this, that like Miles Morales was a very big change in how we represented spider people. Yeah. Um, uh, there were probably different spider people before. Gwen might even predate. I might be wrong in that, but if not, it would be not surprising to hear that Miles mm-hmm. was the first. And that's important. It's very important when we talk about this movie because this movie is about ultimately canon events, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is, I say it's about canon events. It really isn't, but it's it's kind of like tying into this theme of like, what is canon? Mm-hmm. Um, and my favorite, my oh, my favorite thing about this is this is such a this conversation can go multiple different ways. I'm ready. I I love this movie and how it how it challenges how it challenges like the canon, mm-hmm. right? And the way that these characters like these are all the peter parkers they're all good guys i when we there's this very very subtle thing that you know that this is different that miles morales is different if you are paying attention to just the fact that like when they enter the the uh lobby of the the spider what are they what did she call it i don't even remember (laughs) it's it's in the trailers um but the the lobby and all the Spider-Man in there and she's like, hey, Peter. And they're like, oh, hey, Gwen. And like, it's all it's always like, hey, Peter, or like, hey, whatever. It's all hey, Spider-Man. Right. And he's like, oh, I'm Miles. I'm also Spider-Man. I'm Miles. There's only one Miles. Mm-hmm. And that matters. Mm-hmm. There's only one Miles specific Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. And uh, ki- again, spoiler alert. We're in spoilers. It's yep. kind of because. In the Miles Morales timeline, he was always connected to the multiverse because it was another spider from another mm-hmm. universe that bit him. He shouldn't exist. Right. That is the argument. That's why he can't be part of the team. He shouldn't exist. And I was watching something on Twitter, the creators talking about where someone, the interviewer, smartly asked, like, is this a surface level, you know, like 
representation of like how Miles was, you know, perceived and received originally and stuff like, and that is true. And they're like, yeah, absolutely. For sure. This is important because multiple, multiple people when Miles Morales was introduced Mm -hmm. were against a black Spider-Man. This isn't canon. They dismissed it because it's not Peter Parker. You can't change the canon. You can't do all these kind of things, which to me is very interesting because these are the same people that probably love Batman Beyond, which is about a younger, like different uh, uh, Batman, Mm -hmm. you know, in the future. Mm -hmm. And Miles Morales basically is that he's not taking place of Peter Parker, but he is a different version of Spider-Man, you know, and he has all the Spider-Man tweets, but he's not Spider-Man, you know, it's like, oh, you had to go and create your own. And there was like, there was some backlash you know, and mm-hmm. not everyone, you know, there's right. obviously people who love them, you know, and it, maybe it's a minority, you know, but that is a clear, clear uh, um, imagery to show that like, no, he, he shouldn't exist mm-hmm. is the, the thought. That's why he can't be on the team. That's why he shouldn't be here. He is an anomaly. Right. Wow, like that's such a such a tough thing, like yeah. to to like hear and to like. I had I was like I was racking my brain. I was like, well, why why can't Miles Morales be a part of this team? You know, right. whenever we know like he he can't. They're clearly saying like uh, like even Gwen could barely be a part of the team, right? You know, and I was like, ah, is it because he's like younger or like whatever? Like he's still learning because that was the first part of the first movie, you know. Right. He's like, whatever. I didn't think about the fact. I was like, oh, like he's the only one. I forgot that the spider came from a different universe. Granted, I don't know if this is a comic thing. I don't know if like the spider came originally in the original comic, but uh, at least here, that's yeah. that's what it was. That's what it was like, kind of retcon too. Right. And like, oh, that makes sense, you know. Right. Well, this idea of like a false Spider-Man because the the spider bit the wrong person. He shouldn't have even been in that position. Uh, and he's the reason why his universe of Spider-Man died in the first place. Yeah. Um, but in just a position with the idea that anyone can wear the mask. Yeah. Uh, I think is I think yeah. is really fun to play with. And for me, that's why one of the two strongest themes in the movie for me, and in most things I watch. Um, you didn't speak into the mic there. That was the point. (laughs) Um, a big theme for me in most media that I watch, because I think it's something that we all struggle with is this idea of wanting to be like seen in our entirety and like the fear of rejection and the, the back and forth between like wanting to belong, fearing that you're not going to be able to belong and why you maybe do or don't fit into places. Miles spends a lot of time listening to his mom, especially with that little pep talk near the middle where she's like, don't ever let anyone tell you that you like don't belong somewhere. And he's grappling with this. Not only can he not, does he not feel he can share his full identity with his parents out of fear of whatever. He now also, the other half of him isn't being accepted by the other half of him that is burdening his regular life. And I also wondered why I think I had forgotten that the spider came from a different universe. And I was like, oh, that's mm-hmm. wild. But also, if we're talking about breaking canon, and this is how Gwen's story kind of parallels Miles, they're both breaking canon in the sense that, like, they have supportive, 
living parents and they do have a love interest that's still alive and also has agency. And I feel like they're slowly trying to push back on what it means to exist in the realm of their canon. And I think maybe that's why Miguel is so hard on Miles because Miguel tried to push against his own canon. He took, and that's my other theme for the movie, which is like destiny versus taking control of your reality. Mm -hmm. So, Miguel lost everything and decided to put himself into a position where he thought he would operate better and it had consequences. So he's yeah. like, if I, if I couldn't do that, like these kids that don't know any better, you don't, you have no idea what you could be unraveling here. You need to stay in the confines of what the canon is. And both Gwen and Miles in their own ways are like, no. Mm-hmm. Miles even says, I have the quote, he says, nah, I'm gonna do my own thing. And that's mm-hmm. that's so Miles. That's exactly what he wants. He is just his own thing and his own special version of what Spider-Man represents. Yeah. And I think that's really, really special. I have to say, there is a part of me that like, I, you know, when you go into this movie as a person, this is again, why I love this movie doesn't exist without in not in this time. You know what I'm saying? Like it has to be of this moment. Cause even I went into it and I was like understanding of Miguel's side, you know, the way that he explains it, you're like, yeah, you don't break the canon. Like Mm -hmm. you, like it's the same thing with Dr. Strange. Right. And they mentioned him did a little, a little like verbal cameo because they mentioned the, the other movie with Dr. Strange where, you know, they're dealing with multiverse stuff and it's like, yeah, if you break it, like it's going to be a problem, you know, and it mm-hmm. is a problem because that's the whole point. It's like you got to keep it together. You got to fix it. Otherwise, you introduce chaos and, and pro- right. you know, like if these things don't happen, they they matter. Like it matters to Peter Parker that these things happen. Right. Mm-hmm. It matters that they know that like they can't always save everyone that mm-hmm. the choice like matters. Like I understand that. I'm like, I, so yeah. I'm almost like on their side where it's like, yeah, you, you, these moments have to play out the way that you think they have. Right. You know? And it's weird because like, I was almost like, why well, I don't, I don't know how I feel. Mm-hmm. Cause like, I want, I want Miles Morales to, to do his own thing. But like, is he ultimately like making a stupid decision? Is this like a thing that he shouldn't be doing? Like, I was like, no, are you screwing things up? Cause is this the main character does something stupid and then right. everyone else like, and then has to, has to learn from it kind of thing. Or is it like, no, is it, is that really what it is? Like you're not bound to your canon. Yeah. You know, you're not bound to, you don't have to, you can do your own thing. And I love the, I struggle with that. I love that fans of comics are going to struggle with that. I love that. Like it's made for mm-hmm. people like me who have grown up with knowing the story and seeing the story over and over and over again. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, no, like that's makes sense, you know? Happens. And then like, and thinking that these are good guys, mm-hmm. you know, and they are, they are good guys, yeah. but they're just struggling with their own version of like, what needs to happen? This right. is, the ultimate they're, they're using canon, but it really is about like, you know, destiny versus, you know, like yeah. what, like what is fate? Right. Kind of thing. Right. right? It's what about, is, go ahead. I'm sorry. It's timelines and, and, you know, the same thing that back to the future deals with, you know, it's like mm-hmm. what has to happen, what doesn't need to happen, you know, what is inevitable. If you talk about like the Avengers, you know, right. uh, uh, what can we change? What do we not change? 
you know, Mm -hmm. uh, it is, it's, it's timeline stuff and fate stuff. And then also canon stuff. It's weird, multiple dimensions of Mm -hmm. stuff, which only exists in this time, which is so crazy. And I, I think as far as considering fate, um, we know that the spider peoples are, are bound and connected by these two like life altering events. I would argue that they go through like the love interest death and then like the parental or like leader figure in their life dies. I'm new to Spider-Man guys. Yeah. Um, but when, when you really analyze that, it's, it's not moments that make you, it's how you are able to like respond and grow and work through those moments. And I think it also raises an interesting question of, is trauma the only generating factor for substantial growth? Mm -hmm. Do people have to experience wild bouts of trauma to become who they are destined to be? I think that, yeah, I think that's an important topic. I would also like argue that while they are very specifically talking about two major canon events within, and that those are the things that are pointed out, Mm -hmm. but there are other major canon events that happen within Spider-Man that are good. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't like the wedding of Peter Parker and Mary Jane, you know, like is a very important canon event that probably you would argue has to happen. Does it not? You know, like the the, like, would that not be a good thing to have? And we break canon all the time because there's other different storylines, you know, and I think. Doesn't she I'm asking Spider-Man canon questions. Doesn't she die? No. Well, in. Gwen Stacy is the ultimate version of the of the girlfriend that has to die. Ultimately, in the maybe there's a, a timeline where Mary okay. Jane, but like Peter Parker and Mary Jane getting married is a very important part of Gwen it. Gwen is the one that dies. Mary Jane is the one that he marries, and then and then Peter Parker revealing his his identity is like another major canon event that wasn't part of canon, but then became part of canon. Mm-hmm. Like canon changes, mm-hmm. right? And the reason why I bring that up is because like. The moment you start saying things like, this shouldn't exist, this is part of the canon, this is fate, this has to happen, multiverse stories don't exist. Mm-hmm. Because the whole point of Gwen and Miles's like connection is the fact that they like they shouldn't be allowed to interact then, you know, but mm-hmm. they do. And we want that to happen. Like this is ultimately saying, like, we ha in order to have a life or tell stories or whatever it is. Like you got, you got to change things. You can't can't be like beholden to canon things. Ultimately, I I guess because we haven't actually finished the story. So we don't actually know what it's going to ultimately come out, come down to. But like, if you start talking about like, it's not just about trauma, Mm -hmm. which I think is important. I think, again, intentional that they pointed those things out. I do think that's a good conversation to have, but just in general, the talk about like canon events and like how's it then yes you can't the whole fact that like Gwen and Miles are like their only the only friends and they're maybe falling in love or mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it maybe not maybe I don't know what you want with them do you want a friendship do you want love who knows but they shouldn't like now you, you can't have a multiverse story at all you right. can't have them interacting at all because like if they are, they've already broken the canon. And the fact that Gwen knows about this yeah. and, and tells Miles like, oh, yeah, like oh, Gwen always falls for Spider-Man. Like, I 
we see, again, these are the small ways that we see Gwen trying to push back on the boundaries of her own narrative. Uh, I think in smaller, like less or more inconspicuous ways than Miles is actively like raging against it. But we see these quiet moments in Gwen where she's trying to set these like differences of, no, I I belong. Like I I exist and I, I belong and I can do it. And that's why I think it's her movie, because like we are, as you say, you're picking up on these things more than I was. But like we on the surface, it's like we're. The movie is representing it to you in Miles Morales form, mm-hmm. but everything, the the person that it is affecting the most is it's Gwen, Gwen. Stacy. Yeah. Like her things, like she's seeing how Miles is being treated. Um, At the very least, like Gwen is always a part of Spider-Man's story, mm-hmm. you know, and in her world, hers happened exactly as it was supposed to in the sense that there was no multiverse anomaly that Mm -hmm. created her, you know? And so like she is in essence, like hearing all these things, seeing all these things, seeing how miles is treated and all this kind of stuff. And she's internalizing that and, and, uh, uh, um, recognizing that and hearing this message and, and, and translating it to her own story, Mm -hmm. even though she may have thought like, no, I am, canon Mm -hmm. technically all these things are for me are fine like Mm -hmm. i'm not an anomaly but like you're saying this about him how many of those things could be said about me even though it's not true about me you know what i'm saying like that oh that's very interesting to think that that's why i think it's her movie yeah i think it's like really about her coming she's the it's almost like a secret main character or like a, a like a um what's the word like a surprise you know kind of uh, a plot <laughs> that you didn't see coming it's you just, know it's so yeah. subtle but yeah every when i found myself trying to take notes and think about points that i wanted to touch on it's like almost every beat even if it's four miles it's also for gwen yeah and that's why their stories are so parallel and i think yeah. the writers did a great job at ingratiating and introducing us to the powerhouse that is going to be Gwen. Yeah. And I'm excited to spend more time with her in the third movie when that comes up. But yeah, just, just thinking about how easily, how much empathy she has for miles and then how easily everything can be translated back to her because her, her police chief dad is still alive. So like technically in Canon, wouldn't he be someone that has to die for her then? So like, she maybe knows that that's coming. Um, and and has to wrestle with that just like Miles is wrestling with it and and she's trying to impress like Spider-Woman and 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 Spider-Man 2099 like she's looking for the same community that Miles is looking for she just seems to be like it seems like she's getting a handle on it quicker than he is but she's she's not she's internalizing everything that's happening to him too because she's feeling that struggle for herself she's feeling that isolation that sense of wanting to belong the feeling of maybe being beholden to canon and that things are out of her control like yeah it's she's i had no idea that i was such a a spider gwen yeah fucking diehard but this and movie really just sure. is beautiful i mean again this is um, i just said that gwen is the main character but we are also ultimately like the main character in the story it's Mm -hmm. it's got so many different layers because 
we have to struggle with the fact that we've seen Ben die so many times. We've seen Uncle Ben die. You know, we just saw a, a differentiation of that with Aunt May dying in in the Peter Parker, mm-hmm. uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, right? Like we we've we've seen different versions of so many so many times. You know, and we're like, yeah, we can't. We know it has to happen. We know what like what it means. We know the, the ultimate. This is the most probably quoted comic book thing of all time when, which is not even like from like it apparently like uncle Ben didn't say this, but was made famous in the Spider-Man movies. Like again, goes just goes to show you how much we think there's Canon and how much we thought we know of Canon. But when he says with great power comes great responsibility, like we know how important that is to the Spider-Man thing. And we're like, you can't change things. You can't change. You can't have a, black Mary Jane, like in your, right. you know, spider, like, we, like all these different things. Like we are tr- having, we need to be on this journey as people who grew up with these stories and saw Spider-Man and the different versions of Spider-Man over and over again. We need to see it in order to allow ourselves to like, break ourselves out of this thing that like something has to happen to be a superhero. Something yeah. like this has to happen for us to be who we are. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, I love that. Like in essence, like we are also a secret kind of character mm-hmm. in this movie, which again, <laughs> just doesn't happen. in in any other kind of like Spider-Man movie, right. you know, any other movie in general, we don't have it without the culture, you know, 20 yeah. or 50 years, whatever it is of, of Spider-Man culture. Right. You know? Well, let's talk about um, our, our our movie's baddie. Uh, what is he? The Spot? As so. much as I love uh, Jason Schwartzman and The Spot, I like, I and that character, I don't know that there's much to say about him. Like, he just, he, and it's, I don't think he's as important an element. He's again part of the MacGuffin. It's just the thing that drives the story forward. You know, it's not really much else to say about him. And I think that because more of it's going to come in uh, part two, uh, part <laughs> the, in the, the final movie. part. Um, I guess the fact that, like, well, yeah, sure. Like, so, like, he are you talking about the fact that, like, he be, he believes he is destined to be rivals with Miles Morales because of, of their kind of interconnectivity or whatever and that yeah, kind of stuff. I was or? gonna I was gonna springboard because no, I don't have, you know, he's not this villain that I was ready to dive into, but he also plays into the trying to find where you belong and like be taken seriously because when we first meet him, he's a goof and I did not take the character seriously. I'm like, oh, this is like this, this is, is funny. funny. This is it's the comic a villain relief. of the week, is what they kept saying. Yeah, and and how how the events in our lives shape yeah. who we become, mm. and the fact that there is a sense of like a lack of control that he didn't ask for any of this. That this kid came in and just caused this like nexus event for this person, and now they have to be burdened with like learning how to reexist, not being accepted, not being taken seriously and how that warps you when you don't have anything else really to fall back on into just becoming like, fine, I'm the ultimate villain. And my only goal is like revenge on the person that ruined my life. I just think is such a fucking bummer. And it's very interesting because 
we see Miles and Gwen desperately looking for community, sense of belonging and acceptance. And I think we see with the little spoiler that happens at the end, which I'll save because I haven't spoiled that yet. Uh, like we see what becomes when your environment is different and when yeah. things, when you don't have the support system that yeah. you need. So I just thought watching the villain go from well, exactly what you said. It's the villain of the week. He's this goofy. I thought it was just the intro, like, haha, we're back in the spider verse to see that character warp, especially in the art style and like the musical cues that we journey through as he just envelops more and more spots, whatever they are. Uh, I think he's going to be a vicious nemesis in the third movie. And I think they did a great job at table setting in this one to show like, uh, I don't know. I, he, he seems very dangerous. Well, it's really, it's really interesting. I love that you, that we are, you're seeing these things in, in the villain. There's definitely things it's, this movie can be analyzed once you like rewatch it and, and then see the perspective of the different characters. That's um, some smart thinking there, but like, <laughs> not only we're going to get some of that, I think maybe you called a lot of like what the movie is ultimately going to be about within tackling the villain in the third movie and like what his stuff is ultimately going to be in the third movie. But you're like, we also get versions of that and spoiler alert, the alternate miles Morales, Mm -hmm. the one that ultimately had, as you said, like a different upbringing, different versions of events. Didn't get bit by a spider. What did he become? Miles Morales was supposed to become the prowler Prowler. in that universe. And I know because like, and what's interesting is like, as long as miles Morales has existed, the prowler has existed as miles Morales's uncle, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's weird to think about the fact that like, he was never supposed to be Spider-Man. He was supposed to be the prowler because like, we only know him as a, and so it's a weird, again, layers upon layers Mm -hmm. of like, what is Spider-Man? What is Canon? What is real? You know, yeah, and like, yeah, talk about upbringing and a difference of, you know, uh, uh, what is it, nurture versus nature, you know, <laughs> like yeah. or whatever, right? And because his universe didn't have a Spider-Man, like, of yeah. course, his his dad is dead. His universe doesn't have a Spider-Man. Yeah. What is he capable of becoming? This powerful figure, just in a different lens. Yeah. A quick side note before you continue, because this is very short. Uh, another it's never thing, short, Shannon. No, this you one's going to be short. Interrupting something, I want to. Okay. Continue. Hey, listen. So. Apparently, in the first m- movie, mm-hmm. Miles's spidey senses are purple and green, mm-hmm. which are prowler colors. Sure. And I didn't know that. And it's not until later he adapts the red and blue spidey senses. So his colorings change. Mm. And people were just speculating that was that a little Easter egg in the beginning of like, he was never supposed to be Spider-Man. Well, someone, I wasn't going to point this out because I'm not smart enough to have noticed this, but apparently someone noticed that, uh, and maybe they, maybe they didn't even notice. Maybe someone else, maybe they're quoting someone mm-hmm. there or whatever. So it's all stolen, right? Someone somewhere noticed that when you get into the world, that is ultimately the Prowler version of Miles Morales. Mm-hmm. Um, our Miles Morales puts on his hoodie to hide from the fact that he's Spider-Man. And the hoodie has the colors of Prowler colors. 
Mm. And that's your first hint that you're in a different world. But at that time, we don't know that he's in a different universe. Right. Because uh, normally his hoodie is Spider-Man colors, black and red. Oh, yeah. I didn't notice that. Uh, so that would be something that like, at least in this film is that's like, cool. I didn't, I wouldn't have noticed from the, from the first one. Um, I, layers upon layers. So it's crazy to think that they might have had these things in mind. Miles Morales, again, as an avatar for telling these stories, is mm-hmm. just so perfect. Mm-hmm. So perfect. Um, so yeah, I speaking of like origins and canon and things like that, I'm the thing I wanted to uh uh bring up. Um I be most I'm curious. Actually, I'm sorry, two things I want to bring up. I'm curious when because I think multiple people will have different versions of this. When did you recognize that uh, Miles was the Prowler? When did it hit you that Miles was going to be the Prowler? Oh, I was I was drinking the Kool-Aid right until the very end. When the uncle put the glove on say anything. and punched the bag, <laughs> yeah. but didn't have any of the other accoutrements on, I was like, oh, no. And that's when I was like, it's him. It's, it's Miles. Oh, that's it's when Miles. You, oh, right oh, at the oh, end. That's when he's, oh, no, no. Right that's, at the end. D- d- that, those are different versions. You just, a lot of happened. <laughs> that doesn't tell me when you, you, it hit you. Because when he hit, if it, if it hit you, when it hit the punching bag. Yeah. That's when you thought right Miles. At, yeah, right at the end. But that's not at the end. I mean, the uh, end is Miles happen. is revealed, right? A couple things happen. What else happens? Well, that's the thing. It's like, to me, there's enough happens where like, I knew something, obviously something's off. We know that Miles isn't in his universe at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, some people caught it at the braids thing, which was like, I thought it was just a throwaway thing and I wasn't smart enough to catch, but yeah, like, I wasn't oh either. yeah, so smart yeah. for that to, to, I like, oh man, I'm love predicting things mm-hmm. and like in calling things out as I, as they happen. And it was like, as soon as, because the punch thing happens, there's a m- multiple other things that happen. Like we're cutting back to Gwen Stacy seeing, like talking to the parents and those kinds of things. And there's a whole few scenes that happen interconnected. And then as soon as Aaron says, I'm not the prowler, I was like, I know who the prowler is. Yeah. That's where it like hit me. Uh-huh. And then we see like, the prowler and the silhouette. I'm like, it's him. It's him. It's fucking, you know, mm-hmm. cause like I told you, it was like, as soon as, as soon as he said, I'm not the prowler. I said, well, he's the prowler. Like, right. that's what I thought. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but like before then, like, I don't, I wasn't really crossing my mind that that was the thing that was wrong, mm-hmm. you know, because as Canon has it, Aaron's always the prowler, you know, right. and like the him not wearing the rest of the suit, but like putting on the gloves. Like, of course, he's not wearing the rest of the suit. That's not a weird oh. thing that he can like just pick up the glove and do See, the thing. I think you know? because I don't have like much experience at all with canon and Spider-Man. I yeah. think that kind of helps like not confine me when I'm watching these movies or help me generate like new ideas. You just want to say that you figured it out first. Well, if I did figure it out first, I figured it out like a nanosecond before you did. It wasn't a nanosecond. A lot of things happened in between you figuring it out. She was first. We'll give her credit. It's fine. Because well, in in my (laughs) head, what happens is he punches the bag 
and immediately tells him that he's not the prowler. No, and then Miles immediately comes in. It's definitely not. That's definitely not. Um, is Maybe it's intercut with other things, but yeah. in, in Miles' timeline, what happens is the bag is punched. He says... We're not talking about Miles' timeline. We're talking about our timeline. Oh, <laughs> so my multiple God. Things. Well, anyway, fine. So, no, I didn't, I, it I hits didn't people, need any of the Gwen gonna, Stacy stuff. It's going to hit people at different times. Sure. And for a lot of people, it's not going to hit them until that mask comes yeah. up. And the audible gasp yeah. in, the, in the theater when that happens was, for me, very fucking gratifying because mm. I was like, oh, I know what ha- what's happening. Because I love those moments. I was just smiling ear to ear. But hearing other people be like, oh, my God. Like, that was, like, so cool to hear have different people realizing it at different moments within mm-hmm. that scene and like feeling it in the room. And it, it, that like, you don't, again, you don't get that. in like any other way, like these are the kind of things you go to the movies for the mm-hmm. movies are back with this people. movie. <laughs> it wasn't Tom Cruise. It, it was not Tom Cruise. It wasn't Vin Diesel. It was uh, maybe everything everywhere all at once, but this one is the official. I think it's funny. Uh, um, if he, our friend Ify Nataway Our friend. <laughs> posted this. Uh, <laughs> we can be friends, right? Um, uh, Ify, he's the only person that I like follow that happened to like mention this on Twitter, uh-huh. which, and I'm bringing it up because I feel like it's worth talking about. Yeah. And you didn't know this in the theater, or you f- had forgotten about it. Okay, I'm he ready. Said, he's like, has so much time passed that some people who see the redacted cameo, he's talking about Donald Glover, has so much time passed that some people who see the Donald Glover cameo in Spider-Verse not know the importance slash levels to it. Shannon, do you have an answer to that? Uh, yeah, if you're not, if you're new to Spider-Man, then you're going to have no idea where any of this stuff comes from. For so. those <laughs> who don't know, so first off, Donald Glover makes a cameo as also the Prowler. <laughs> and... Did you not recognize that he was the prowler? No. This is your, she's just now realizing that he, he was a prowler. So Donald well, Glover. D- well, Donald Glover plays Aaron Miles yeah. in the MCU version of the uh, uh, with Tom Holland, Peter Parker okay. things. So he is the uncle of Miles Morales, right? Mm-hmm. Aaron Miles is. I'm sorry. Why? I'm. Why am I saying Aaron Miles? Aaron Morales uh, is. I'm. It's all right. I'm sorry, guys. I've been doing that all night. So Don Glover plays Aaron Morales in the MCU. So we know that ultimately he would become the, uh, the Prowler mm. if that is the case in the canon of the MCU timeline, right? And the reason he plays even Aaron, mm-hmm. Uncle Aaron in the MCU is because way back in the day, I want to say when they were trying to reboot Spider-Man, uh, uh, with the Andrew Garfield ones that it eventually became. There are multiple versions of Spider-Man, but Tobey Maguire was like the first cinematic mm-hmm. Spider-Man. And then way back in the day, I remember Donald Glover was putting his name in to want to be Spider-Man. He wanted to be Peter Parker. Oh. He was trying to be cast as Spider-Man. There was like a big kind of a, not campaign for it, but he was being very vocal mm-hmm. about wanting to play a superhero and play a Spider-Man mm-hmm. and how important that was to him or something like that. I'm maybe fudging things a little bit because I don't exactly know the story, but I do remember that time being a thing. I was like, oh, that's awesome. He, this is like at the height of community, at mm-hmm. the height of childish Gambino, kind of like early on kind of thing, right? Sure. 
And it is because of that. There was a lot of backlash. There's a lot of people that hated it because they're like, you're black. Peter Parker's white. Why would you do that? Mm -hmm. There was only at that time, like just white Spider-Man. Yeah. It is because of Donald Glover campaigning that Miles Morales exists, that Brian Michael Bendis, I believe, created Miles Morales. Oh, wow. To showcase why, like, it is possible to have a black fight. Anyone can wear the mask. All those, the themes that we love, all those kind of things. Miles Morales did not exist until Donald Glover. The first Miles Morales, I believe, was kind of like based a little bit off of his likeness. And then at the time the MCU came in, they gave Donald Glover the little cameo Mm -hmm. as Aaron, because I guess they thought he was too old to play Miles Morales. Yeah. uh, as Aaron Morales uh, or Uncle Aaron. And so then he comes full circle as a cameo, as that character, as the version of Prowler <laughs> in this movie. Yeah. In a movie that's talking about canon, about Miles Morales, the levels and the thing. So when he, so when if he says that and I, and I tweet him back, I'm like, I had to explain it to my partner. Like this yeah. is like, it is not, that that is what he's talking about with the levels and the importance about why why that cameo exists and what why it needs to be there, mm-hmm. you know. And again, the fact that it can't exist without the rest of these movies, anything like that happening, you would think. I think you thought it was just, oh well, he was in the the other Spider Man movie, you know, he mm-hmm. was in the Tom Holland Spider Man movie, is what you thought, right? Honestly, I forgot that he was in the Tom Holland Spider Man movie. Got it. Well, he was, it was, it was a small, quick, like, cameo thing, yeah. so it wasn't even, like, a... But I remembered, so Matthias has told me in the past uh, that, you know, he, uh, he's kind of, like, the dad of Miles Morales, that his him him being so involved... I not that, but... no, Well, sorry, that's my <laughs> phrasing of it, but that, that his involvement is what encouraged Miles Morales to come to fruition. So I thought that this was just a nod to that. I completely forgot that he was in the other Spider-Man movies. Um... Doesn't he have a, no, doesn't Miles Morales have a cameo in a different live action Spider-Man movie? No. Again, Donald Glover plays the uncle and he mentions, you know, like something about his, his nephew. Okay. Okay. But that's just like an offhanded comment. Like we don't ever see okay. the nephew. We don't ever see Miles. So upon watching that movie, you explained that to me and that's why it was tickling in my brain. So I was like, oh, they must have him here because of that. Because we keep honoring the fact that Donald Glover is like championing for Miles Morales. And now that I know he's Aaron and he's the Prowler. It's layers, right? It's like, it's not, it's not just the fact that he is, he is technically the inspiration for Miles Morales even existing. Mm -hmm. Even if he's not a direct, like one-to-one comparison, He, he is one of the reasons that Miles Morales exists. And he also was a reason that he even played Uncle Aaron in the MCU movies and then therefore is back as the Prowler here oh, so because cool. he is Uncle Aaron now. There's <laughs> all so many different layers yeah. to that. So yeah, such a cool, uh, cool little thing. Um, man, we've talked so much, not so much <laughs> about plot, but a whole bunch. I There's so many things. Um uh, one of I I guess quick things I don't know maybe we can bounce board off of these things. Uh, I love that every Spider Man like is is quippy, you know, mm-hmm. like the fact that like the 
the thing that I've always loved about Spider-Man. I remember playing like the Spider-Man, which I always thought they got wrong and like the Tobey Maguire ones, but were better in the Andrew Garfield ones. And, and when I remember playing the games of Spider-Man, I was like, oh, he's so f- fucking quippy. He's so mm-hmm. funny. You know, mm-hmm. it was before even the MCU came along and like was doing its like things, you yeah. know? Um, and like, even my favorite joke is whenever like someone's like, does anyone else have something to say? You know, and like all the Spider-Man are like, oh, yeah, I got a thing. So, yeah. you know, you yeah. know, like, it's, so it's so hilarious because like, yes, every single one of them. And the fact that like Jake Johnson, Peter Parker is like, you're supposed to be uh, funny. You know, you're supposed to be like uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, quippy, like you're just so serious, you know, and, and then Oscar Isaac, which I to me is like I can feel you like in the theater being like, this is Matias, this is Matias. <laughs> <laughs> as Oscar Isaac's Miguel um, being like just so, so serious. serious and so, just so serious. <laughs> and yet here I am being like, yeah, dude, like lighten up a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> like tell a joke. <laughs> but, and I think that's another interesting way that we see characters just gently pushing back on their canon. Yeah. Like, well, I love that. Like, again, the, what makes Peter Parker? It's not the canon events. It's like these other fucking elements. When mm-hmm. we see Miles Morales like blending in, doing better quips than ultimately any of the other Peter Parkers, mm-hmm. you know, like super fucking hilarious and super funny and like mm-hmm. uh, clever and all whatever, however you want to describe it, right? Like means that he is, can be, and should be Spider Man. Yeah, you know, and then we see different versions of that. Like when we see the, uh, a spider punk and his version of being quippy and whatever is like, fuck just hilarious, you know? And we see what, this is an the, allegory for capitalism. They're, or? they're, ve- <laughs> they're very different versions too, mm-hmm. of like how they represent that Peter Parker, like, Energy. like, yeah, you know, like, because even then the, um, I can't, I hate saying the Mumbai version, but I don't know what else the Indian version, you know, of, 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 spider-man like he he has his own way of doing it too i don't know how to describe it but they are very very different you know it's almost like i would argue charisma yeah because charisma can be funneled differently Mm -hmm. i would say that um pav spider-man india is like bombastic and just like larger than life kind of in control like here to have a good time and and make sure people are like safe and feel included Mm -hmm. and i feel like that's the spider-man energy because miles also has that in a different way and gwen has that in a different way and i wouldn't look at any of them and be like that's not spider-man right you know what i'm saying like like every time every time a new spider-man was introduced and they were like slightly different but it was their version of it Mm -hmm. or whatever it is i was like yeah that's spider-man spider bite is very cool yeah yeah. (laughs) like what an, an ai version of Spider-Man? Spider-Person? No, you're talking about the kind the, of Oracle version, of the one with the VR version or whatever. Yeah, the what girl, are you talking about? Uh, I, I just keep calling her Spider-Bite because I assume that's what her name is. Bite as in like the Gigabyte. Well, she's just not in the... She's... <laughs> She, she's in another universe and VRing herself into this. So the version that we see is mm-hmm. an avatar of the real person that's just in a chair, like with a VR headset. Right. But so even she like is her real. Energy, she's not like, an AI, is what I'm saying. It's like she's not oh, a yeah, computer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's not a computer program. But I she meant, is a real yeah. person. I was trying to convey like which person I was talking about. But yeah, yeah. 100%. She is real. And like she brings her own very distinct energy to the table as a spider person. So. 
Yeah, I, I do like it's like, OK, whoever you are, you can see yourself behind the mask because you don't have to be the white kid whose parent dies in front of them. You can be like this cool tech person that's uh, RVing, uh, virtual reality yourself into it. Or you can be Gwen or you can be fucking Spider-Punk is so cool and I just want to be him. He's so cool. Even though I didn't understand a single word he was saying like (laughs) like for half the movie. Um, Can we actually (laughs) briefly touch on, I had a really difficult time like hearing some of this movie. Did you experience that at all? mm Mm-mm. The dial, I don't, the dialogue, I just kept, there were a couple points where I was like, I wish the captions were on because like, I don't understand what these characters are saying. You do realize they speak Spanish for like some of the movie, right? What? (laughs) Shut Uh, up. I think that like, to me, it was only very prevalent when, again, the thick Cockney accent of of Daniel Kaluuya like uh, uh, comes in. I, I say Cockney, it might not even be Cockney, but like the the, the British accent uh, um, comes in for spider punk. And I, I just kept thinking back to snatch, which is a, a, um, a movie I I'm guessing you haven't seen with Brad Pitt uh, no. by um, Guy Ritchie, I guess old movie at this point, but uh, on the DVD. So Brad Pitt plays a, a pikey, <laughs> which is, you know, as mentioned by Jason Statham's character in the movie, it's not quite English. It's not quite Irish. It's, it's pikeish, you know, like it's, it's whatever. It's like, it's a, it's a different version of kind of English, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, there is a version of the movie that you can watch on the DVD that for subtitles mm-hmm. and it said subtitles just for Mickey, which is Brad Pitt's character. Cause you literally cannot understand a word he's saying. Uh, so that's what it reminded me of. And the fact that like, I hope this movie comes with a subtitle version version <laughs> just for spider punk. Just for That's Spider-Punk. what I fucking want because like, it's going to take me a few times to watch this to, rem- to catch it. The things that matter are, are funny yeah. in a moment, but like, yeah, when you first get introduced, I was like, wait, did you just speak English? Cause I have no idea what you just like, fucking said. I cannot said. tell what you said. <laughs> Cause you're not expecting it. Like you have right. to be in the world of, right. of the London English yeah. to like really get it. The little moments where, you know, he says, I'm going to Scooby-Doo this shit, which is, you know, and it pops up. Scooby-Doo is a London slang for like, right. uh, find a clue or whatever, yeah. you know, which is things that with context clues, you could like understand. I know mm-hmm. I've heard that phrase before, um, but I love those little, little moments. Uh, yeah. and I hope that they have a subtitled version just like that, just for, <laughs> just for him. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I, I feel like, I oh, mean, we've talked about so much. I, the biggest, there's two things that we haven't touched on that I think the biggest moments of this movie, I don't know, maybe we have kind of like talked around it or whatever. Um, uh, maybe well, let's go backwards. First, let's talk about that devastating moment when Miguel catches Miles on the train and he's telling him you shouldn't exist. Like you don't, what does he say? He doesn't say like, you don't matter. Maybe he does, you know, like you shouldn't be here. All these different things. He's just like hammering at home over and over and over again. I feel like we, this isn't new in terms of storytelling. Like this is kind of like your classic hero's journey kind of 
thing. Like you're the villain saying this kind of thing to someone, you right. know, or like the parent saying this to the kid of like what, like purpose you have or all these kinds of things. Mm -hmm. You know, this isn't new, but I don't think it's ever hit me as hard as it did when Miguel is saying that, you know, I don't mm -hmm. know if it's because it's coming from someone that should be a, a hero that I thought was so cool when he was first introduced the like the, the version of yeah. him. I was like, that's fucking cool. Yeah. That's cool. That's so cool. I yeah. loved Miguel when you first in got introduced. I didn't realize I had a feeling he might end up being like kind of like a, like clash between you know like an antagonist yeah he's not the villain but he has kind of an antagonist to miles that's mm -hmm. clear from the trailers but like even when he was introduced i was like this i love this guy you know mm -hmm. and i'm like why are you saying this why are you being so mean to this kid well you know? i find you know we're often like most aggressive and most mean when we're like afraid of things. Mm -hmm. And that's why a little earlier, I wondered if part of the reason that he's so hard on miles is because he knows the ramifications of trying to take your destiny into your own hands. And I'm imagining maybe that like, do, do you know what he injects himself with? No, uh, that might be part of Canon. I wonder if <laughs> I don't know anything about his. Yeah. Canon, so I'm technically, just, I'm so. wondering if there's some sort of like, personal devastation there and things that he has to do just to like now exist in this position that he's put himself into. And he's like, we can't, we cannot keep doing this. This is why we're trying to keep the universe together is because it does not work. And I am a firsthand like experiencer of that. And I think that would be more interesting than just like, Oh, he's kind of an asshole. He's just kind of being mean to this like 15 year old kid. That doesn't quite make sense to me. So I think there's probably something deeper motivating that aggressive, just like, you cannot be here because you don't belong here. Uh, again, I'm hoping is more intentional than just being mean to a child for no, no reason. I mean, yeah, no, absolutely right. I mean, I there is something to be said. Like he understands what Miles is going through. Like mm -hmm. he's been through it before. There's something about the fact that like he's right to a certain extent, you know, mm -hmm. and whenever you have your conviction and your passion and like he has to turn around to everyone is like, we are the good guys, you know, like, because to remind himself and to show everyone else that like, we're not, we're trying to do the thing to save the world and save because we don't want, we can't have another world, like just kind of disappear or whatever it is because yeah. I screwed up, you right. know, I understand that mentality, you know, I understand not recognizing when things can change and when things can't change and him not recognizing what the actual problem was, mm -hmm. you know? Um, I, and there is the fact that he doesn't like he, the things that he's saying is like so hypocritical that he doesn't recognize it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, yeah, no miles. <laughs> yes. Shouldn't exist. But then, you also like what is your canon that you are allowed to put together all these Spider-Man and bring them to the the spider station, whatever it is, mm -hmm. you know, and 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 uh, uh, allow a certain team like what is your what like you are. Why should this exist? Right. Is this part of the canon? Like, is this always as be should be would be could be like what like is that? True. Like, and you're saying this and 
this is kind of your fault because you didn't like, yeah, what should or shouldn't exist? Like who's to say, you right. know, like it's the moment you start saying like this shouldn't be happening. Mm-hmm. It's like for him to say that is so hypocritical. And you know? we experience a little bit of a like trolley problem yeah. conundrum with miles because part of the way that he pushes back against his cannon is he saves the officer in Mumbatton. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if the idea is, you know, do you save one person or the many, like who do you let die? Where do you let some people suffer for like the greater good of this bigger group? And I think we see Spider-Man 2099 grapple with that idea of, you know, maybe he wants to extend kindness to Miles and maybe in a perfect world, he thinks he would be able to do that. But ultimately, if by accepting Miles, you put the fate of multiple universes at stake, his well-being is not worth that price to pay. Yeah. And I think that's like a core principle of Miguel's Spider-Man is that he really does believe like the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the the few. Mm-hmm. And that's his core principle. So I guess you're right. We can kind of see where he would double down and be adamant. Because at least in his version of his altered Spider-Man canon, he is still filling the requirements of like trying to better the greater good. So mm-hmm. he can probably compartmentalize and forgive and excuse different things that are happening because ultimately he's still fulfilling his role. But if Miles steps into that position and universes start to crash, you know, in his brain, it just, it's not, it's not worth that inclusion. Yeah. I, I, I'm assuming we're going to explore that more and more in the my um the Miguel version of Spider-Man in in the next one. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's touched on a little bit and it's and it's worth mentioning. Um I I, ha- I keep having thoughts but I'm also like not able to like form them mm-hmm. right now, but it's definitely like a, uh it's it's not as easy and clear-cut you know, mm-hmm. like there's, there is definitely multiple angles at this, you know, and I don't view Miguel as like the bad guy. No. Necessarily. It's just like, cause like you understand his pain as, as well as you understand everyone, every Spider-Man's pain, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, But it is, it is interesting. Like the more you think about anything about like what should or shouldn't exist, I'm like, well, then there's a whole lot of things that like are wrong. It's not just about these major events. Right. Granted, I, it seems like, I guess it's if, <laughs> when you try and logic it, it's like, it's the major events that have to happen. It's the things in between that probably can change or whatever, or fluctuate, mm-hmm. you know? So, but like, who's to say that like, it has to happen for everyone the same way. I don't know. I'm, I'm I mean, that's the questions that it's trying to raise, you yeah. know? Um, I want to, maybe end on uh just because it was so beautiful and it was it was represented in a in a it this is what makes um uh, this Spider-Man and this Miles Morales and this animated version of it so special is whenever it, it just represents these moments so visually like new mm-hmm. and not just talking about like the actual like visuals I'm talking about like the way that they place the camera and showcase like the world from these people's eyes. And that's the scene between 
Miles and Gwen on the clock tower, which I think is like the most impactful scene. Uh, I say clock tower. I really don't know actually what it, maybe it is clock tower, but like that's the most impactful scene. I think for a lot of people in this film, I think those two scenes, the one on the train, which again, is just like, it's heartbreaking on that scene because it's like, it's heartbreaking for miles. It's heartbreaking for, for Gwen. Mm -hmm. And it's heartbreaking for Miguel to just say that, to say that out loud. Cause I feel like it, it, like, as you said, like he's saying it to himself. Or saying it to Miles, but maybe saying it to himself because that's what he believes of himself. And that's the ultimate thing that he's trying to, maybe that's what I've been trying to think about with a, he's ultimately trying to like overcome that idea mm-hmm. that he shouldn't exist, that he shouldn't be here, that all this kind of, and that's the, that's a hard thing to struggle with. I hope we delve into that more and more and more. I'm sure we will. But then the other scene is, is the scene with Miles and Gwen, as you said, we talked a little bit about it where there on the clock tower and she does that beautiful move of like yeah oh god turning around the world turns upside down as she walks up the pillar and then she just like does the webs and just sits down yeah and then they're sitting down and it's like a great kind of subversion of a thing that we've only seen in one movie which is doesn't feel that groundbreaking but the fact that like when miles dives in the first movie, mm-hmm. but we're seeing it as if he's rising up, mm-hmm. you know, a great like little subversion of that. But because yeah. it's a still moment, it's not an action packed moment. I you know? that moment of quiet for me was one of the moments that was impactful. I have one more that I do want to bring up, mm. but I was reading an article and apparently they that scene that shot specifically was like cut multiple times. No yeah, way. That they, they fought to keep it in. It felt like too much, like on the nose maybe, or what? Uh, it- no, just that they didn't need it, that the yeah. pacing, they were like, we don't need to spend that much time here. Mm. And they said that, yeah, it was cut like four or five times. And ultimately the, wow, they fought to have it in because it was such a beautiful moment. And I'm so glad they did because I agree a hundred percent. Like it's so, the camera movement is so interesting, but I think Gwen's movement patterns are so beautiful. It's really fun to watch all the different spider people, the way they move through space kinetically, because they all have their individual style, but they all fit under like the spider umbrella. Yeah. Um, so, they did study like different martial arts and different things for the different Spider-Man yeah, so they can fight differently. Which is yeah. so intelligent. But yeah, it's like there's something about the way that Gwen moves. And I think... Her movement, the camera movement, also the way that like we use watercolors and stuff in her world. She is she brings so much beauty into this film in a in a different, exciting way than like all the other pop art and color and like interesting things. She brings like a calm, like a quiet, understated, like beauty and depth to a lot of things that are happening in this film, where again, you can almost look over it and be like, oh yeah, this is happening to Miles, this is happening to Miles with Miles, and then she's here, but it's like, it's all just, it's also also her. Yeah. And it's not, it's not loud, it's not demanding attention, but it's there, and it absolutely is something to be reckoned with, and it wants to be seen. Yeah. And that brings me into the last moment that I thought was really impactful. It's where she's back in the apartment with her dad. Yeah. And just the the color really helped, but when when they go in for that hug and the whoops, the world just like lights up and changes and the colors morph and things get brighter mm-hmm. and like where their bodies connect, the colors pulse and change. I was like, that is 
Yes, that is how what I feel looks like. Mm-hmm. Like if I were to put my feelings into color, like when you get pictures of your aura taken, it's like that's that feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that. I thought that was super special. And yeah. again, just because I constantly talk about like wanting to be seen and wanting to be loved for every part of you. The fact she was able to find a little bit of that peace in that moment, I think was a nice reprieve for her because she's been doing a lot of like searching and work yeah. through this whole movie. So that moment of quiet for her, I was like, yes. Yeah. Glenn. She really like hijacks the, again, the movie at that point, it's like really showcasing like the climax we think kind of comes in the train sequence, but it's not, mm-hmm. it's for her. And for the movie, it's in that apartment Mm -hmm. and it's when she hugs him at that moment. Like if you're paying attention, this is really her movie. That's really like the climax is really a thing. Another thing that uh, um, I just thought of, and again, we could keep, that's the beauty of this movie is like more and more things can keep coming up as you think about it. And as you like revisit it, as you were talking, I I thought about uh, Peter Parker the Jake Johnson version with the new kid and how he's struggling with certain things and adult and, and parenthood and on the surface is all kind of look very clear, you know, but he's, he's like, I want to help miles. And like, I'm so, and he's also having that moment on the train where it's like, why are you being so like me? What do you like? Would, this is not what I wanted. This is not what I thought of. And I, I, I forgot about that moment where he's like, no, like miles, like, I had this kid because of you. And again, we're talking about like canon events. This is a a Peter, a Peter Parker Mm -hmm. is like the canon Peter Parker that is, is struggling with. um, And it's when we first meet him is like the Peter Parker that Mm -hmm. is most based off of like the Tobey Maguire, Peter Parker, you know, just like a future version of him and a different way. Right. And he met miles and he taught Miles in the first movie. And if it wasn't for Miles, he wouldn't have this kid. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you can't tell you can't tell this kid, Miguel, that he shouldn't exist because if he doesn't exist, my kid doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. My daughter doesn't exist. Mayday doesn't exist. I love Mayday. It's so yeah. um, and And like that for a Peter to be struggling with that again, mm-hmm. like we, we don't, we don't really see it. But when you think about it, it's like, you have to like really look into the fact it's like, as soon as you start calling out like certain things, like as a fan or whatever, and like you start taking on the mentality, like you, you have to question a whole lot more things. And that's, and this is a problem with time travel, right? The butterfly effect, I guess. Mm-hmm. Right. You mm-hmm. know, it's like, why, when then like, well, if that's true, then should I not have my daughter? Should I not be Spider-Man? Where should I be? You know, if I mm-hmm. hadn't come to like the, the his universe and taught mm-hmm. him and and thought like, man, like what would it be like? Can I do this? So many different ways you can look at how Miles Morales as a character like impacts every other Spider-Man, but he's not the main character of the story. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is, but he's, He's mm-hmm. not like it's 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 the way that he is impacting everyone else. Because at the at very first, I was like, "Oh, are we just like rehashing the same things we rehashed for Miles in the first movie?" You know, right. of like 
struggling to belong, all this kind of thing. We've seen this in Spider-Man before, but no, it's yeah, it's about questioning every Spider-Man. It's mm-hmm. about it's about using him as a surrogate for like everyone and like what actually like matters or exists or or is canon and and can we change and can we not change and like like and how these things chain react, you know, mm-hmm. and, and the little things we don't know that impact us that really do, you yeah. know, that, that, that could change the trajectory of our lives that you can't take them back and you can't wipe them from existence because it matters to someone. Right. You know? Yeah. There's a, there's a shocking to me, a shocking amount of depth in this story. And that's because I think I could watch this five different times and come away with five different experiences. And I'm really glad that we're starting to tell stories like this, where whoever you are, just like in everything, everywhere, all at once, you can find something that resonates with you in this story. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that's really special. And I, I love the trajectory that we're on. I think we're set up for, even more depth and interesting arcs. Like I said, I'm kind of interested to see what that villain turns into because it seems like there might be an interesting amount of depth there. And I think Miguel is going to be just fascinating in the third because obviously you have your villain and then your antagonist is going to be this person that you want like acceptance and hopefully home and family from. Um, Yeah. I'm just, I'm just floored. I'm also kind of excited. Gentle segue the last like spider team that Gwen gathers oh, yeah. together. It's great. I loved, I was so disappointed when we were going through this movie. I was like, you just introduced the anime, the penny. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm like, but we're not going to use her at all. <laughs> so uh, officially yeah. the spider team going after miles to save him is Gwen, yep. Spider-Man, India, spider punk, spider bite, Peter B. Parker with Mayday, Penny Parker, Peter Parker and Spider-Man noir. Yeah. And what a great, uh, just a little, ah, I remember you from the first movie moment for me, but also uh, how cool to see Gwen. We open the movie with her talking about like wanting to be in a band yeah, because she wants to be a part of something. And here she is like leading that band, if you will. Yeah. And I am on board. I'm going to yeah. show up to the next movie in like full costume. I'm uh, yeah. It's so beautiful. Lightning around questions. Do you have a favorite Spider-Man? <laughs> I'm not going to under the pressure. What do you, do you have one? Maybe the angsty one that's like, oh, I'm thinking of my backstory right now. Like, oh no. Oh, that one was funny. There's a whole. (laughs) The Western one is cool. There's a whole list (laughs) on Nerdist, I think, of all 100 and whatever. And I would love to look at them and like really see because so much was happening. And oh yeah, just God, they're all just so good. What about Spider Cat? (laughs) <laughs> Spider cat scared me because I already know how 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 uh, having owned two cats and multiple cats and the fact that like those claws, if you're gonna, I was like I I felt the scratches uh, and I was like oh a spider cat so no maybe, get him away maybe spider cat's my favorite I love when I love when like Miles like shoots Spot with a web and then it comes back and hits him in the face mm-hmm. and, and you can just feel I don't know if he says it but you can just feel like oh yeah that's how that feels like I don't like it yeah. <laughs> you know like as a spider man you like, know oh, oh, oh. damn it I do this to people all the time like whatever yeah um favorite any favorite moments uh that are jumping out at you that you just want to mention that um quickly 
No, I, I, I touched, I touched my, oh, 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 Spider Woman coming out of the portal yes, on the her first fucking time? motorcycle. Yeah, yeah. I was like, bitch! And being like clearly pregnant. <laughs> oh my God, that do baby you, Okay, we talked about there. this. Do, who do you think, because I, because I think we are both under the impression that Miguel is the father. Yeah, that's what I guessed, but I don't, I don't know, obviously. Right. I, I mean, I don't know if that's a question or not, like, but I guess we are both in the assumption that Miguel is the father, yes. which again- fate be damned Miguel like what are you I think that's why she is her whole thing is like changing mm -hmm. right because she's like on Miguel's side but then like she's clearly kind of not pushing it as much you know yeah or going after Miles or Gwen when she can yeah or could yep so I think that is probably because like hey you can't talk about fate and what you can and can't do in front of me whenever I'm having your baby you know I think it's important, right? Something worth mentioning. Uh, I think I can't, I don't know why it's my favorite moment, but I love I the introduction of Hobie, you know? And he oh. like, he, he just shows up and then like, you see Miles like pop up and like the words by Hobie. Yeah. I, any, everything in mom ha manhattan or mom hatton or whatever it is as soon as i saw that they were like oh spots here and it said the little words like mom hatton you know i was like i wonder what that is and then i'd like immediately as soon as like they dropped in i turned to you i was like this is mumbai this is yeah. manhattan this is it and then it says it in big letters everything in that sequence favorite thing yeah everything about that i loved the introduction of hobie i loved the um I like the fight, the different fight styles. I mm -hmm. love the the way that like the uh, Pav would be like like oh they're like in love and like they don't know it you know and then, like, like as and they're also, going like, he was like this is his daughter who I definitely do not know <laughs> at all and then like this is where the traffic gets this is also where the traffic gets and, and this is the other traffic <laughs> I was like oh are we in L A now because like uh, yeah. Um, and the, definitely the India, if you know anything about how they drive there, which are no rules, uh, like that makes sense. That's so <laughs> Traffic funny. everywhere and combining that with Manhattan. Oh my God. Yeah, gross. Oh man. So yeah, so many fun moments. I want to watch this movie again. Me too. I said that about Avatar too, and we never went to watch it, but we, maybe we should do this one again. This one I would definitely <laughs> sit through again. Um, yeah, I, this might be. What are we at? Is this our first three hour like conversation? I don't Shannon? think we've hit three hours yet. We got to go another half an hour. I think <laughs> we're close. We're at two hours and like 40 minutes, yeah. maybe a little break in between who knows. Uh, but yeah, this is, I think is our longest podcast yet. Uh, it feels good because it is such a good movie. Yeah. Um, and there's so many different things we probably could have talked about. Couldn't have mentioned, uh, and, but we we definitely tried our best. We could only watch this movie once. Unfortunately, we can't even do clips because again, we're not stealing the movie off the internet. Right. Though I I, I would love to get a copy of it just to put some clips. I want <laughs> this is such a yeah. fun movie. Um, and then they analyze like every frame of this thing. Yeah. Uh, I'll wait till I can own it on Blu-ray. Yes. Uh, in the meantime, until we can rewatch this movie again mm. and talk about it or whatever, if, if there's there's plenty of things that I'm sure we missed mm -hmm. Shannon uh you if you've noticed that we missed anything want to talk about it if you're yelling at us through the screen go to YouTube 
uh, search codependent content or podcasts and uh, find it on Spotify. Mm-hmm. Uh, or you can email us at codependentcontent at gmail.com. Give us all your thoughts about this movie. I know it just came out this weekend, but please uh, uh, try and find a time to go watch it and yeah. send us all your thoughts. Tell us what we missed. Tell us uh, what you agree with, what you disagree with. Comment on the video. Um, share this if you can, because I don't know how we're going to get TikTok clips out there because there's no supplemental yeah. material. I mean, we could put some stuff out, but it's not as fun without visuals. I'll put some trailers out. We'll, we'll find something. We'll I'm see sure. how it goes. And then, uh, um, you know, I, I, I think, uh, in, in the meantime, just, just engage with us in, in any way you can, uh, because in about two weeks, probably a week and a half at mm-hmm. this point, we're going to be talking about our next thing, which is Star Trek, Strange New Worlds. So if you have not caught Strange New Worlds yet, the first season, you should go check that out as yeah. well. And catch up on that because we're going to be talking about that the next however many weeks that mm-hmm. that's out. Uh, and we're super, super looking forward to that. Um, and yeah, I, I think that's pretty much everything. I mean, I want to talk more and more about Spider-Man. But oh, yeah. It's just like there's just, just so much. So, yeah. Um, but we do want to hear from you guys because we love having doing this and sending this to you and, and having these conversations. And we're glad that we can do this every week. And it's, 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 (laughs) it's worth it whenever we get to see your comments and engage with you like on YouTube and things like that, which is one of the best places to engage Mm because time codes, things like that. You can uh, really do that. Uh, I want to, I want to talk with everyone else about this movie. So please talk with us about that. So yeah. Uh, in the meantime, I guess, Shannon, uh, will I see you in two weeks to talk about, which again is going to be on a Friday probably that we're talking about where we do record this live on Friday. We do have a discord. I forgot to mention, go to the discord and engage with us, do whatever, if that's what you want to do and, and chat with us and and just send us photos of your cats or whatever. Anyway, uh, so we might be live in two weeks, Shannon, two weeks. Well, I guess I'll see you in two weeks and not a day in between. Yeah. No. (laughs) It's a date. Yeah. (laughs) It's a date.